Morning, everybody. Nice. I think it's Sam Pittis this weekend. I think Christo's off in rehab again. I think they've decided to take him in and drain him out. Uh, Fifi Geldof has hit back. Let my sister rest in peace. Although, having said that, Katie Hopkins has uh, mentioned when Peaches Geldof laid into her on this morning programme, telling her how to be a good parent. Hmm. Uh, John Barrowman trolled after his gay kiss. The Pope has blessed Miriam Ibrahim. Joe Brand has said Britain's Got Talent exploits the mentally ill. And the Queen has snuck into a selfie. She's getting into it now. This is LBC. I'm Steve Allen. It all starts next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Thank you for your handy hints yesterday. I was complaining bitterly about not being able to sleep in this heat. I had uh, no trouble last night. Climbed into bed, zonk. Out for the count. Uh, so, yes, I'm pretty certain uh, Pretty certain this week it's Sam Pittis who's sitting in for, uh, for Christo. Fifi Geldof's in the papers today. She's, uh, she's sick to death of people laying into her sister. I don't know where these people have come from, these internet trolls. Well, I thought we laid it out quite well yesterday on the programme. We said it's immensely sad that anybody is addicted to heroin. Uh, but when you uh, hear what Katie Hopkins has said about Peaches Geldof, you might be kind of siding with her as well, depending on whether you saw it on the television. And Joe Brand has said the mentally ill go on Britain's Got Talent, and we laugh at them. Not totally convinced we do, but I have said before, it's hardly... It's, it can't be that far away where somebody goes on there with some sort of mental illness, thinks that they can sing, and we laugh. Because normally for the first, I don't know, a few, few weeks of the programme, we do, uh, we do laugh at the idiots who put themselves up on stage and pretend they can sing or juggle or, or do whatever it is they think they can do. And it turns out they can't do half of these things. And so we laugh at them. And Joe Brand has said what I said more than a year ago. You know, at some point there's going to be somebody who's got a mental illness and they're, they're not going to take too kindly to being laughed at. But that's the whole idea of the programme. You've got to pad it out because when they say Britain's got talent, I mean, quite clearly we haven't in a lot of cases. And uh, you know, previous winners have included some people who do juggling, you know, with each other, which I thought was very good, and a dog. And the dog's been the most successful out of all of them. That's a dog, for goodness sake. So for the humans, not too sure, not too sure. Uh, John Barrowman trolled after his gay kiss at the, at the Commonwealth Games. He did it purely to, uh, to annoy those people in those countries who are taking part who still have very antiquated views about gay people. And that's purely what he did it for. Uh, and the, fa- the fact he's gay is neither here nor there. He just did it, and it was a case of, you know, um, you know like it and lump it. And it's, people write all sorts of things. It's ever so funny, actually, when, you, when somebody like John Barrowman does something, it, it kind of brings out... All sorts of venom in other people writing on the internet going, oh, he's dreadful and this upset loads of people. Get over yourselves. Get over yourselves. When God made Adam and Eve, he must have made Adam and Steve. I don't think it, you know, it surely would have been at the same time. And John Barron has always pushed the boundaries. Always pushed it. So you just have to get used to it. If you don't like it, well, then, you know, don't watch him. Simple as that. Uh, Chris Hoy went to go into Arena the other day, which is named after him. You know, that's a Chris Hoy Arena. And they didn't let him in. They didn't recognise him. It's a bit embarrassing, isn't it, when your name's plastered all over the place. You go, it's my Arena, it's named after me. I'm sorry, got no idea who you are. I'm Chris Hoy. Yeah, of course you are, mate. So they didn't let him in. Very funny. Very funny. And the Pope has blessed Miriam Ibrahim. This was a gee at the girl uh, who's Christian, but she was going to be executed. And, uh, and they would have done it had there not been a huge international outcry when... Um, 
they, they said, well, you can't execute her. And they went, well, she, she gave birth in prison. Remember, shackled to the floor. She gave birth in prison. And then it would have been two years. Then they would have executed her. They're, they're so backward in some of these countries. Anyway, huge worldwide outburst and uh, culminating now in the, in the Pope blessing her. Because uh, she stood up for her rights. She is a, a modern-day martyr. She wasn't prepared to back down, even though those people in, in higher authorities in that country said, oh, no, no, definitely, because your father was Muslim, you're Muslim. She went, no, I'm Christian. I was brought up Christian. It's as simple as that. And she stood her, her ground, as they say, and, um, and she came through the other end. And then they released her, and then they stopped her trying to get out of the country. Now she got out of the country. Why well, she never want to go back to that hellhole? I can't imagine. And there is a story today. Now, you might be in two minds over this one. But I'm a sneaking feeling you are. In America, they executed a man the other day. He's a murderer. And he was executed for murder because in certain states in America, they have the death penalty. Now, over here, we abolished the death penalty many, many years ago. Uh, we hanged them. It was quick. It was easy. And we had hangmen. Albert Pierpoint was possibly our most famous, famous hangman. And he wrote a book after he'd stopped being a hangman. It, it, he stopped being a hangman for a most peculiar reason. It wasn't, it wasn't any other reason, apart from the fact that they didn't have a cooked breakfast for him or a cooked dinner when he went in there. Because what he did as the hangman, he ran a pub with his uh, wife. And so people knew, but he, he never discussed his work. Well, not until he, he finished and then he wrote a book all about it, but he never discussed his, his work at all. And so people would go to the pub you know, to see Britain's hangman, Albert Pierpoint. And he took over for his father, I think. Anyway, he turned up at a jail one time and uh, he would then have to go to the condemned cell. He would look at the man in the condemned cell. They would tell him his weight and he would then put a sandbag with the correct weight on the noose, on the actual noose that was going to hang him. And then they would leave that to hang overnight to stretch the rope. OK, the whole idea when you hang somebody, you want to stretch the rope to its capacity. So they would put this sandbag on and uh, bearing in mind that the condemned cell was next to the execution cell. But they never knew that. They never knew that because what happens was, I don't know if you've ever seen films about it, but they, the wall slides. And so they don't exactly have to go for a long walk. They literally, the executioner would go into the cell. They give them a brandy. Quick slug of brandy. What well, that makes a difference, I've got no idea. But anyway, uh, and they then tied their hands behind their backs with the strap. The wall opens straight into the execution dock on the trap door, quick with the feet, noose around the head, bag over the head, down. Albert Pierpoint could do it in about six seconds. They reckon six seconds, and he was fast. So he went into this prison one day, and uh, they didn't have any food for him. And he just had a long train journey. And it was at that moment he went, right, I'm not doing it anymore. That was it. And he had, he had a, bit of a bit of a queenie fit. A bit of a strop over the whole thing. And so he, he didn't bother. And then, then he wrote a book saying he never agreed with executions. He never agreed with, you know, a life for a life. Although it depends how you feel about things, doesn't it? The story that's in the paper today, which you might or might not have a thought on, is of a prisoner in America who apparently took hours to die. Hours to die. He was given a lethal injection... Um, and it appeared not to work straight away, even though the doctor said he was sedated. They saw his chest pump. Apparently, he sort of wheezed in and out about 600 times, which they said prolonged it. He should have been dead in 10 minutes. As it turned out, he was, he was dead longer, and his lawyer was going, this is ridiculous. You know, this execution is not going as planned. Because what they do is they, they strap them to the gurney, and then the lethal dose goes in. Nobody knows who, who actually supplies the lethal dose, because I think three people are doing it. 
sure it's three, I'm pretty certain it's three people, and it's only one of them has got the lethal dose in there, which is apparently supposed to stop the heart within minutes. In this case, it was, it was ages, absolutely ages, and so his uh, lawyer said, no, you have to stop this now, this is just inhumane, whereas the family of the people he murdered have gone, uh, I'm sorry... This man, you know, I tell you what, try and take the image out of your head of your father lying dead in a pool of blood and your sister in a pool of blood. And then, and then we're, we're sparing a thought for this man because he's taking ages to die. Let him suffer. And that's basically what, what the family said. They weren't remotely interested in, uh, in any way, shape or form of how he suffered. In fact, the more he suffered, the happier they would be. And I can't help but agree with them. If you put yourself into that situation and your family, two members have been murdered by this person, at one point apparently smiled at them. Because you know that the family are allowed into the execution and they sit in, you know, not actually in the same room, but they sit watching him through a glass. It's, I don't know why they do that. I've got no idea. And there's a, a little, like a little panel of people sitting in there. And then, you know, when it gets to the end... Uh, the blind comes down and he's declared dead and that's it. In this particular case, they sat there for ages, but they weren't bothered, the family. could have suffered, you know, till hell froze over. Uh, Talking of hell freezing over, Katie Hopkins is in the paper today. Uh, A, because she's got a column. Secondly, because she's had a bit of a go at Peaches Geldof. Now, you remember yesterday, don't you, that we had the inquest on Peaches Geldof and the inquest said she was back on the heroin. And there's nothing you can do about it, nothing her husband could have done about it, nothing Bob Geldof could have done about it, nothing anybody could have done about it. She was doing it because she was addicted to heroin. And it isn't just like, you know, smoking skunk or smoking, you know, weed or anything like that. This is serious injecting. This is burning. And she was, she was taking nearly pure heroin. You burn it in a spoon, you, you draw it up inside the syringe, and then you inject it into your arm. And that give, Now, I don't know what the effect is. Mercifully, I've never ever done heroin, have no interest in doing heroin uh, because I'm too scared about dying. It's bad enough having back pain without having to worry about things like that and trying to find veins. So she tied herself up. She died on her bed. She was sitting there injecting. Now, the problem is her son, they say, probably spent about 17 hours with his mother's body. Now, whether or not that scars him for the rest of his life, I do not know. But Katie Hopkins, and I do remember this, appeared on television on this morning with Peaches Geldof. And uh, she says here, the inquest into her death brought us back to her with a sharp jolt. Just as we all suspected, Peaches died of an overdose slumped over her bed, surrounded by the stuff of an addict, syringe, knotted tights, burnt spoon and an 11-month-old child. And this is where the problem comes for Katie Hopkins. She says, I've kept my silence about the truth of the woman, but frankly, enough is enough. She says here, I am sick of hearing all this fallen angel nonsense. I am sick of all the sycophantic fawning about her difficult, moneyed life. I sat on the sofa at this morning with her and listened to her lecture me about parenting. Peaches told me how dedicated she was to her children and that her way was the only way. She pointed out all my failings as a mum. I'll admit, she said, my flaws are many. I've never pureed a carrot. I've never strapped my babies to my body like a woman scared of a pushchair. And I think Formula One... Sorry, Formula One. I think Formula Milk is... Formula One. You imagine if there is such a thing as Formula One milk. But one thing my children can depend on is that I will always be there for them. I may go away to work, but I come home and I will continue to be here for them until somebody else decides my time is up. The thing that really makes my nipples itch, she says, beyond the personal lecture I received from the drug addict 
is if Peaches was anybody else, they'd be hell to pay. If a 16-year-old from a sink estate had kept her syringes in a box of sweets while her 11-month-old crawled around her dead body, we'd never hear the end of it. If a young mum on benefits died, leaving her baby alone for 17 hours, she'd be torn apart in the press. But because Peaches is put up on the pedestal of celebrity with Saint Bob in the pulpit, we're supposed to avoid going to confession and only mutter in private the things we dare not say. Well, I'm done with muttering in private, says Katie Hopkins. She's having a go on this one. She's not letting loose. She says celebrity status must not and cannot be allowed to excuse dark deeds. A celebrity mum is no less a criminal than a 16-year-old mum from a council estate. If you choose drugs over your kids, your kids should be taken away. If I died of a drug overdose, I can guarantee I would not receive the impunity Peaches has been granted. And before you angrily remind me of those two poor boys, remember, I'm not the one who left them behind. Peaches was no fallen angel. Gosh. I mean, she, I mean, she is quite right. She is quite right. Peaches Geldof had started writing for a mother and baby magazine and pontificating on how to look after children. And to be brutally frank with you, no matter how, you know, I mean, you look at this family and they do look slightly dysfunctional. I mean, I'm looking at a picture of them and they all look a bit sort of, you know, wide-eyed and legless, to use an Andy Fairweather low-song title. They all look a bit freaky, like they've just been allowed to run riot. Like nobody's ever said to them, don't do this, don't do that. Don't. I mean, they just look, they just look odd. I can't, I can't say anything else, you know, it's, but, um, you know, and she wasn't a great mum. She can't have been. Why would you, with a 17-month-old child in the house, take heroin? Take heroin? You can understand somebody taking maybe some coke or something like that. You know, well, I, you know, I can understand that. She's a celebrity. But as, as Katie Hopkins says, just because she's known and it's St. Bob's child shouldn't make any difference at all. She was a bad mother. She was a mother who abandoned her child. There was the risk as there is with everybody who takes hard drugs, not soft drugs, you know, like taking a bit of speed or amphetamine or something like that. I will tell you about a drug that's doing the rounds at the moment that you can buy on Amazon. And they appear to be powerless to do anything about it. But, you know, let's not say, oh, she was marvellous, she was this and that. Quite clearly she wasn't. She was so addicted to this stuff, having come off it for about two and a half years, two and a half years on methadone, and then she goes back on, and her husband knew she was back on heroin because he made her flush it down the toilet. What does she do? She went out and bought more. £500 worth she bought. So, you know, not so great. Died with ten times the amount that her mother had in her body when she died. It's always a sad picture of people who die of, of heroin overdoses. But don't ever paint them as saints, because they ain't. 17 minutes past four. Andrew Pierce this morning at seven. Uh, Infinite Ferrari forecaster predicted that one in three people in the UK will end up paying the highest rate of tax by 2033. I'm hoping not to be around by 2033. In fact, I can always guarantee I won't be around. But would you be happy to pay more in tax? Plus the latest on developments around the world and more on the devastating plane crash in Algeria. And as two prisoners in Scotland demand the right to vote in the forthcoming independence referendum, Andrew will be asking whether prisoners should ever have the right to vote. All of that on more on Team England's victorious first day at the Commonwealth Games. Looking at the papers today, Adam Bolton, political editor of Sky News. Um... What was I going to do? Oh, yes. Fa- famous quote of the week. Thank you, Beverly. This one is uh, from uh, from Towie. She's scared. She's falling in love with me. Arge telling Lydia not to deny her feelings for him. The man's deluded, says Bev. I know. And, of course, you know how desperately sad and lonely poor old Lydia Dim is. Just dreadful, isn't it? I mean, it's, yeah, the one-night stand girl goes back into the programme, then has a one-night stand with Arge and then finishes. I mean, she's a bit low-rent. A bit low-rent. And do you remember we talked the other week about Gemporia? 
remember Gemporia? This is one of these jewellery channels on the television where they have the... I mean, they are the worst presenters on there. I don't care whether they're qualified to talk about jewellery or not. They're just terrible. They're just so false. It's a case of, I can't believe it, we're taking the price even lower. And they come up with something, and it's, again, they used to put it up. They seem to have stopped doing it. All the other jewellery channels did it, and I can't remember whether they all do it, because I'm so taken by this channel where they're selling cheap naff jewellery. I couldn't care less, care less whether it's uh, diamonds or whether they want to tell Fibstu that these are top-end and collectible. I'm not interested in that. I'm more interested in the fact that they put a price up on one of them the other week. What was it? £12,000 came up on something. And I thought, wow, £12,000. Blimey, I don't even know jewellers who sell stuff at that price unless it's Asprey's. £12,000, it came down to £299. And I'm thinking, this is just crap. It's just crap. But anyway, they've written to me, invited me to go down there and have a look. I mean, I'd be frightened in case any of this stuff would stick to my shoes. And I'd have to walk out with it. But one, one of the girls wrote to me. One of the girls there, one of the... I call them the bimbo presenters because the, 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 the presenting standard is so bad. It's a case... I mean, this morning we had one who was sitting there going, oh, it's, I, don't, it, I get so giddy in the heat, she goes. And I'm what? Anyway, so I, I can't remember what her name is now. I shall find her, don't worry. Because I, I found her because she said I need to check my facts because they're all qualified to talk about diamonds. Well, I'm not interested in whether you're qualified to talk about diamonds. I'm qualified to talk about anything. I'm a radio presenter. But but the interesting thing was, um, she apparently had been on a course. So I check out the company that, that she said. It's like a correspondence course for diamonds. And you just go on there and you decide which, uh, which bit you've actually got. Um, and so, well, I shall find her name in a minute. Don't worry, because I, I have to read it out to you. Is it? No, is it? a lot of people advise me on how to be, uh, how to be cool in this weather. Which, of course, is, uh, is just the thing that we want to do. Just the thing we want to do, because everybody wants to keep cool, don't they? You don't want to sort of get hot and bothered sitting in cars. They're going to be talking on Nick uh, Ferrari's programme this morning with Andrew Pierce. They're going to be talking about keeping cool on the train, because apparently the temperature is so bad on some trains now that you wouldn't even get animals being allowed to be transported in this heat. So, uh, going through it yesterday, where I shall find it in a minute. I, I get I, so many tweets yesterday, because obviously you've all got brilliant ideas as to what to do to keep yourself uh, nice and cool. I'm the only one not functioning, keeping myself nice and cool and moaning about it left, right and centre. I tweeted a picture of one of my hanging baskets, which has gone absolutely mad. Absolutely mad. And somebody said to me, David, I think he said, he says, is, is there two? Is there two hanging baskets? Oh, no, there's only one. So anyway, uh, this is Rachel Amy Hatton. She used to be Rachel Hatton, but she's stuck in the Amy for some reason. I don't know why. Perhaps she thinks it makes herself more intelligent. She says, awkward how it's sold by only qualified GIA graduates. Featured in Vogue and has 100,000 plus positive reviews. Maybe do your research. Which I thought was a slightly patronising for somebody with a ridiculously stupid double-barrelled name. She always just used her middle name, but uh, that isn't how it works. And you look on her website, and apparently she, she's graduated with a degree in something, and she's ended up selling tacky jewellery on a site on the television. So Rachel Amy Hatton, not the brightest penny in the box. I had, I had to sort of check exactly what she did. And, uh, and so I, I, did, I did Google. I do like to do my research, Rachel Amy. You know, but it's, to be honest with you, I don't have any, any problem with that. It's the pricing. It's where you sit there and you blatantly tell somebody it's worth 12,000 quid. I suppose jewellery can be worth any old money that you get for it, can't it, really? I suppose that's how it works. But then it comes down to, this is really collectible. We had the bloke who runs it yesterday doing it. And on one of them, it was, I think it was £600, and it came down to twenty nine ninety nine. Well, you know somebody's telling Porky Pie somewhere along the, somewhere along the list there. 
And then he, he talks about heat-treated. I don't know what on earth he was on about on that one. I didn't understand that at all. So it was £2,655. That's the price that they put up for this this thing. And then it came down to £249. And I tweeted, how do they, how, how do they make any profit? And I thought, because they make up the prices. That's, they might as well have put a million pounds on there, which is what they, they used to do. His mum's a florist, we discovered the other day. And then, at one point, he'd started telling us about a piece of jewellery, and then he realised he was talking absolute rubbish. It was the wrong piece of jewellery. So he put it back in the box and said, we'll come back to that later. And went on to something else. I mean, it was like amateur hour. So they invite me down to go and have a look at this, this disaster. And I thought, you know, I don't think so. I'm a professional. We don't make mistakes on the programme. I, I would like to know why they're not governed by somebody putting up a price. Make, it's like if, if you sell a handbag and you say, this is £30,000, but, it's, but it's, it's not really 30000 You just overhype the price. And then you go, but it's on offer today, a fiver. You go, wow. Well, obviously the people they're selling to think that, that they've, they've reduced the price and they're getting a really huge bargain. You don't think they're giving this stuff away, do you? No. Even at twenty nine ninety nine, they're still making a profit. And then these earrings, we've never seen these before. These are fantastic. And I'm looking at this cheap stuff and I'm thinking, who buys it? And it came down, it was like nine ninety nine for a pair of... Well, you know what you're getting. If you spend nine ninety nine, you're not appealing to high-end shops. But they talk about it as if it's all collectible. Collectible, I suppose, sitting in a cardboard box under the bed. I can't see it doing anything else, I'm afraid. But uh, it does make me laugh, so uh, you have to watch it. It's ever so funny. Ever so funny. The thing that is, is not funny, which is deeply worrying at the moment, and I only mention it because uh, a friend of mine mentioned it to me the other day in Twickenham. He said he'd found some school kids sitting in the doorway to his shop. And when they left, sitting on the ground, were lots of little metal canisters. Little tiny ones. And I said, what is it? He says, it's hippie crack. I said, what's hippie crack? He said, you blow balloons up with it. He said, and they inhale it. And you can buy it. Um, you can get it all over the place. In fact, you've only got to Google this stuff. They will deliver to you. And the prices vary. 60 quid will get you 150 of these little canisters. 60 quid. So school children sit there. Now, I mean... As far as I'm concerned, in my day, it was all marijuana and stuff like that. And, you know, and people sort of watching the Alsatian melting in the corner and flowers growing up because it was all hippie and woo, wonderful. Love it, love it, love it. Nowadays, it's hippie crack. And in fact, one of the guys on one of the radio stations was saying he came in to see me rich this morning and he said, uh, I found one of those little canisters outside the front door the other day because all the school kids are on holiday and they're obviously buying it. Somebody's buying it at 60 pound. And what you do is you put it into balloons or you just inhale it. And it's very cheap. Then they just leave them lying around all the place. And they're metal canisters. I should point out, because I, I, I don't generally want to be the, uh, the prophet of doom for you young people taking this kind of stuff. But already we've had about ten deaths. OK, just like I tell you that now, just in case you think you're being really clever. I mean, what, one guy uh, inhaled uh, a lethal dose of this gas. And uh, everybody was saying that, you know, he just discovered he was going to be a dad for the first time. He was laughing and joking. And then, bang, he went. And there is that danger. There is that danger. 400,000 children have taken it. It's the second top drug after cannabis. And they will deliver it on motor scooters. If, if, you, if you go and buy it, you know, at a festival, and it's available at festivals, it's £1.50 a time. It looks like a little thing that you would, years ago, you'd have filled a cigarette lighter up with. Or in this case, you fill up a balloon. What you have to do is you get the canisters, and then you have to get the adapter, which means that you can release the gas. And they all think they're being terribly clever. So when they all stop dropping dead around you, just remember, we did warn people. We have told people. The Sun have done a two-page spread on how dangerous this stuff is. 
I mean, it's illegal to sell it to the under-18s, but if you're over 18, you can buy it. So for 60 quid, you're going to get 150 of these. Uh, That does break the law. As supplying it to under-18s, it's likely now to be used as a drug. It is illegal. And uh, they've got lots of people from the anti-solvent abuse charities saying these nitrous oxide delivery services make the product available 24 hours a day. So there's a huge potential for abuse. Although, to be honest, why in God's name? If your night is so bad you've got to inhale gas from a balloon, you need to get yourself checked into a clinic as soon as possible. You must be the saddest little git in the entire world. How sad and lonely must you be? Oh, I think... Oh, dear, look at that. What a saddo you must be. 4.30. Morning, everybody. 28 minutes to five. It's LBC. This is the biggest listened-to programme. This is the benchmark for all programmes. Not because we do anything that's particularly different, but we just kind of tell you the truth, you know, as opposed to the people who waffle around. You know, we don't do that mamby-pamby kind of stuff. We kind of tell it like it is. If you don't like it, well, kind of grow up and get over yourself. You know, but when you see these, these kids getting these legal highs... In fact, it was strange, because Rich said to me earlier, he said, he said, isn't it sad? He said, they go out with their mates, and their mates are so boring that they have to inhale gas from a balloon. He said, that's how bad the night is. I mean, in my day, you'd have an extra double Bacardi, wouldn't you? I'll go a double Bacardi on this one. Whee! And they go, no, double Bacardi? Oh, God, you must be made of money. They go, am I, I, I might have a double Bacardi. And Coke? No! Unreal, unreal. So we go out there, and now they've got all these legal highs. Now, I couldn't care less. You know, everybody's done things in different... But what, what's worse is that people have been pictured with balloons. And I always think, if somebody's pictured holding a balloon... You know, unless it's a kid's party and it's got You Are Six Today written on it. Something's going wrong somewhere. They say Jess Wright, uh, Corrie actress Michelle Keegan, England footballer Kyle Walker, and even Prince Harry have been snapped with balloons. Because it was... Are these the ones, though, that you... Um, it's, or is it something different now, where you inhale the balloon and it makes you talk funny? Oh, right. Th- this is different, isn't it? Uh, this is completely different. OK, producer knows all about this one. Slightly worrying. And uh, so it's, it's laughing gas. That's what it is, is it? And um, thousands of sellers... And nitrous oxide in a, is an anaesthetic, says Carol Cooper, writing in The Sun today. But it's uh, used recreationally because it also causes dizziness, lightheadedness and the giggles, as well as affecting your judgment. And this apparently is having a good time, is it? I must be missing out on something here. See, a good time for me is, you know, like having a steak and chips or something. The idea of having dizziness, lightheadedness and laughing uncontrollably strikes me as you must be the biggest prat under the sun. I can't think of anything worse. You know, a night out. I mean, I'm going out to a party tonight. It'll be a sedate affair. We'll probably have canapes and things like that and probably, you know, little prawn toasts and stuff. It'll be big. Nobody will be sitting there with a balloon, I promise you, inhaling. I promise you. Users might think, uh, because it's legal and used in medicine, it's safe. But recreationally, it's in an uncontrolled environment. So parents, you know, and the kids go, oh, everybody does it. You know what kids are like to their parents? Everybody does it. Do they really? Everybody does it. We've only had one death in our group. You know, that's okay, isn't it? We never liked her anyway. Uh, Julian Ando drowned at a music music festival. He took the gas and then went swimming. I mean, presumably, it's a bit like taking... LSD, where you think you can fly, and that's why people have found on the pavement, because they've jumped out of a hotel bedroom window thinking that they can fly, because when you're on LSD, it's like somewhere else. I've always been frightened by things like that. I like to be in control. You know, I like to make sure I know what I'm doing. I wouldn't like to all of a sudden lose... It's like, you know, when you get to that drunken stage, when you've had quite a few, you know, drinks, and you think, why will this leg not move in front of the other leg? Why is it... Why am I falling back? Why am I falling... Hello, where am I? That's bad enough. But to actually get the light, 
you know, headedness and the dizziness that goes along with it. And, uh, you know, numbness. I mean, heavy users, and you would get heavy users. I mean, let's face it, if you're sort of buying 150 nitrous oxide can- uh, canisters, I mean, A, you must be, you know, the, the complete bozo from bozos, wherever that is. And, and you're buying that. Presumably, you're gonna, unless you're sharing with your friend. You want a canister? You want a canister? It's legal. Have a, have a legal high. It's a legal canister. So everybody sits there sniffing this stuff, going, oh, I feel so lightheaded. Oh, I think I'll go for a swim. Oh, I'm drowning. Oh, I've, I've lost my phone. Where's the phone gone? phone's gone. I can't believe it. All my friends have gone. I've got no friends! Because you're taking hippie crack. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a problem. I mean, wor- the worst thing is that if you've got certain medical illnesses like asthma, this is really bad for you. I don't, I don't want to sort of paint the town very dark, but I'm promising you, you know, you're going to be seeing a lot more deaths. And I'm going to be saying, I told you so. What more can you do than tell people nowadays? You cannot tell people. I could have sat down with Peaches Geldof and I could have said to her, listen... Heroin is going to kill you. It killed your mother. It kills loads of people every year. It's very addictive. If you're addicted to something, you don't care what anybody says. And I don't care whether it's booze, cigarettes, uh, fruit machines, the amount of gambling that people talk about nowadays. I used to play fruit machines. Years ago, I played fruit machines. And I would go out. In fact, I would go into a pub. I didn't, I didn't drink alcohol. Such a good boy, I must say. It's almost Saint Steve, I think, this morning. And I didn't drink alcohol, but I played fruit machines. And I would have a little plastic bag, one of those little money bags from the bank, and it would have £20 in £1 coins. And I would go in and I would look for a fruit machine. If somebody else was playing it, I didn't want to play it. I would look for a machine that wasn't being played, thinking, I think that machine's talking to me. And I would play them, and I would go into pubs. Me and a friend would go round, and we would, we would play lots of fruit machines in pubs. Me and my friend Jimmy... We go round and play all sorts. We won in one place. I don't know if he'll, he will remember in Acton, where we'd only been in there for one drink to this Irish bar. And we played the fruit machine and we got 250 quid out of it in pound coins. <gasps> the, I tell you, we had to leave quickly. The looks that we were getting from people. It was not a, not a good night. It's since closed down, Jim. You'll be delighted to know. <laughs> not for anything that we did. But uh, you can be addicted to anything. I was addicted to cigarettes. I'm probably addicted to Prosecco, if truth be known. I'm cer- certainly addicted to working. I must be. I get up every morning and come in and do, uh, do working. But that's only because I quite like it. It's not because I feel I'm, I'm sort of imparting, you know, fantastic information to everybody. I just feel that with so many things that are going on and so many young people, I mean, as you heard with Andrew Pierce a minute ago, Peaches Geldof was 25. What a waste. 25 years old. Never coming back. Left her husband to bring up, you know, their, their, their child. And, and this is the woman who's writing for a parenting magazine. And everybody going, oh, you know, it's great, isn't it? She's turned her life around. No, she hadn't. She was mainlining at home. Had been doing it since February this year. I mean, surely if she was under some sort of GP, they would have noticed the difference between methadone and heroin. But as I said yesterday, I don't care what she sticks in her body or what anybody sticks in their body. I want to know where they get it from. I want to know whether or not the police went through her phone and found out who her dealer was and had been round there and sorted him out because he's ultimately responsible for her death. He sold the stuff in the first place that killed her. Admittedly, she was the one who chose to put it into her body. But I think you must better do something about it. Where do you find a dealer? I wouldn't know where to find a dealer for heroin. I mean, I know we're in the middle of London. I mean, I'm pretty certain within five minutes I could probably get nitrous oxide delivered if I really put my mind to it. But to be honest with you, the programme's balmy enough as it is without, without get, adding sort of dizziness and light-heartedness to it. Uh, Dom is uh, sleeping inside a chest freezer, which is a, a very good place to go. Lisa says, as much as I don't like Katie Hopkins, she has a point. And Johnny says, I'm no lover of Katie Hopkins, but I have to agree with her on peaches. I feel for the poor kid around a dead body for 24 hours. I mean, luckily... I don't think she would have... Perhaps she just thought Mummy was asleep. I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't there. 
I can't comment on things like that. I can only tell you what the uh, what the inquest uh, said. Uh, Dobbs said it's called Chasing the Dragon. Yes. And, uh, and CJ says, I think they give you a brandy before you get hanged because it makes it easier to convince you you're going for a bungee jump. You know, the bungee jump that you don't come back from, isn't it? Very fast. Very, very fast. Very, very fast. And there was a film with Timothy Spall, who played uh, Albert Pierpoint. And very good he was in it, too. Very, very good. And it showed you roughly how the, how the system works. Other stories in the paper today. This heat wave is going to go, but I believe at the weekend it's rain. I believe it's thunderstorms. Yeah. Shouldn't get too excited, because I know you all say, oh, I don't like the rain. But I, I, last yesterday, it was just a wee bit hot for me. So as long as I'm indoors, I'm fine. Outdoors is just too much. Too much for me. Had a driver this morning, and uh, he was early. He was early. Because he said to me, he said, you're early. I said, no, you're early. And he said, the last time I... I, I he said, I've never picked you up before. He said, but I used to phone you when you were down in, um, in the other building. Off Shepherd's Bush. I said, well, the reason you never picked me up at Shepherd's Bush, I said, is because I drove. I used to drive into the studio every day, and then they brought out the blasted congestion charge. And, uh, and it was right at the end of our road. I used to get my, my skates on and try and whiz round it, but it was just impossible to be... So I had to spend about 1,600 quid a year on the congestion charge. He said, now it's about 2,000. But he's, he's got a bad back. He's a former copper with a bad back. I said, well, I used to work at New Scotland Yard with all the other coppers with, uh, with bad backs. <laughs> uh, 84850, steve at uk. What a sad person Katie Hopkins must be to harbour all that venom and not say anything until Peaches Geldof can no longer answer back. Having serious problems doesn't make a person's views on children invalid. I don't judge her. She wouldn't have intended to do harm. It's very sad. Well, you know, the, there's no venom there. She hasn't, she hasn't laid out any venom, but she's quite right when she says that if this, if this wasn't Peaches Geldof and this was some girl from a sinker state, they'd have lambasted her for doing drugs and nobody been around to help her and all the rest of it. And as Peaches Geldof laid in... You probably didn't see the interview. I did see the interview. As Peaches Geldof laid into Katie Hopkins, telling her where she'd gone wrong bringing up children... And then, you know, you, you can't do that. And then the next minute you're found with a needle shoved in your arm and a 17-month-old on the floor wondering why mummy's not breathing anymore. You can't, you can't lecture somebody. Shouldn't have to wait until she was dead. But she quite clearly must have realised, as did lots of other people, that she was back on the drugs again. Terrible. Uh, 84850, Steve at uk, And um, uh, Sue said, I suffer positional vertigo epilepsy. What on earth? I've never even heard of that before. Is that the standing up bit? Is that the standing up? I don't know. When, when you say positional vertigo, I'm assuming it's, it, that, that doesn't sound very pleasant, does it, at all? 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Mike says, I, I uh, have just read Katie Hopkins' column, and I saw the unusual story about the boy in India. 232 teeth removed. I'd worry anybody, wouldn't it, really? It makes you wonder where they all came from. We'll come around to that story a little bit later on for you this morning. And uh, Polly says, could the little grey cylinder, approximately three inches long, which I saw in the church car park, be hippie crack? crack? Looks like a mini oxygen cylinder. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) Steve, as we all know, the Jewellery Channel is proof on how to make people think they're getting a bargain. Yeah, of course. It's called selling. I understand how selling works. I'm very good at, at selling, I know, because I was in retail for years, so I understand how it works. I just wonder why people would fall for something, and they buy it for twenty nine ninety nine, believing it's worth, you know, £800, £900, because it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's absolutely not. 
And that's where it comes down to the fact, are you being truthful? You know, you might, it might be lovely to look at. When we were on board ship, they had all this paste jewellery on there, and I bought a couple of rings, which I used for, for one of the shows. And it was very good. It looked very sparkly, and it was cheap. They were like six quid each. So I know how much this stuff costs. I know where it all comes from. It's just that, you know, don't, don't put up a silly price on it, like £800, or uh, like in, in the case of these things the other day on the, uh, on the channel, you know, £12,000, because it's just a load of cobblers. It really is. Uh, horse tranquilizer is worse. That's ketamine. Yes, ketamine is, uh, is a horse tra- And people take it. And there was another one as well, which, which came out uh, a short while ago. And it was, apparently it's used to, what's it used for? Stripping paint off garage doors. Have you ever heard of... I mean, to be honest with you, the things that people put in their bodies now... I, d- I don't really have sort of um, too much sympathy for people today because most of it's manufactured in laboratories. And, and people... I mean, who ever thought of selling ketamine to people, which is a horse tranquilizer? I mean, seriously. I mean, when somebody said to me, have you had ketamine? I thought it was a cereal. And so I said, well, I don't know. Who makes it? I thought it was Kellogg's or somebody like that. Perhaps it, perhaps it came with oat bran flakes or something and, uh, and everything. But no, they said it's a horse tranquilizer. And I said, oh, I'm not naive. And I've heard about, heard about drugs before. I'm in a business which is rife with drugs. And then somebody said, oh, it's a horse tranquilizer, And you take it. And I went, you stick a horse tranquil For what reason? They said it gives you a numb feeling. I said, come here, push yourself out the window. They'll give you a numb feeling. As I say, you must have very sad, lonely friends, if that's the best. I remember a friend of mine going out once to a club, and everybody was on this drug where, and I can't remember what it's called now, where everybody loves each other. You know, it's MDA, is it? Is it MDNA. No, I think it had a shorter name than that. What it is, every sort of, every, I just love you. I just really want to be your friend. I just re-. And he said he was the only one not on it. He said, you can't have a conversation with somebody. He said, because every five minutes they want to tell you how much they love you. And that's a very disco- Nobody drinks anything. You know, you'd be the only person in there, in most of the clubs nowadays, ordering a large Bacardi and Coca-Cola. With ice. And a twist. Because everybody else would be on bottles of water. You got any water, mate? It's ten quid a bottle. I'll take two. You know, that's it. Nobody drinks alcohol in clubs anymore. They really don't. Somebody says, these new drugs are awful. When I was a teen, everybody smoked weed and took ecstasy. Nowhere near as many deaths. What chance do the youth of today have? I don't know. I don't know. I just, I'm just... I'm bewildered by the whole thing. I'm glad I'm of this age. Where, where I don't do stuff. I mean, I, admittedly, I did do Halliborange years ago, OK? I did take a straight Halliborange, OK? Don't hold it against me. I did Halliborange, and now I do lots of drugs as well, but they're legal drugs. Actually, I wonder, actually, how long I'd last in a club if I started injecting my insulin. Or if I stood there, if I went into the toilet going, shh, don't, don't say anything, and sort of injected myself with somebody going, he's injecting himself in the toilet with heroin. He's obviously some sort of dreadful drug person. 14 minutes to five. 10 to five, Andrew Pierce in at seven for Nick Ferrari. Final time today. He's, done, he's had a nice little week. Forecasters predict one in three people in the UK will end up paying the highest rate of tax by 2033. But would you be happy to pay more in tax? Plus the latest on developments around the world and more on the devastating plane crash in Algeria. And as two prisoners in Scotland demand their right to vote in the forthcoming independence referendum, Andrew will be asking whether prisoners should ever have the right to vote. All of that and more on Team England's victorious first day at the Commonwealth Games. Looking at the papers today, Adam Bolton, political editor of Sky News, will be in the studio. So I'm watching television yesterday. I'm flicking around the channels and I'm so watching a bit of this and a little bit of that. And then I happen on, on um, Five News. And I was sitting there watching Five News and I'm, I'm looking and so they've got the newsreader. And I think, I could be wrong actually, I think she was perched on the edge of a desk. I think it's their casual approach. And the person right behind her, I'm looking at and I'm thinking, I know that person. And, and so I'm looking, I'm thinking, it's my producer. 
one of my many producers. This is the only programme that has a team of about 15 people. And, uh, and so I'm like, that's D. And the more I, I, I thought, no, perhaps it's a lookalike. And so I look away and I look, look back again. No, it was definitely D. So I tweeted, I've just seen my, my producer on Five News. So she then retweeted me and said, glad to see you were watching while I pretended to look busy. <laughs> it's exactly what it was. Because I, I knew she wasn't typing, I could tell. I think she was pretend typing. You know when you sort of sit there, you look very intense, because you know you're on camera, you go, oh, 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 like that. I saw her there. Don't frighten me anymore. Um, uh, a lot of people offering me advice yesterday as to how to get to sleep. I think, actually, it was advice for everybody. And mainly it involves don't drink Prosecco before you go to bed. Uh, don't eat food before you go to bed, because you'll never sleep at all. And uh, and then <laughs> so then and Michael says, why don't you drive up the M1 till you reach Watford Gap, order a full English, eat it, and then drive back home again? Yeah, right. Okay. Water. The w- water appears to be the uh, the thing, doesn't it? Water appears to be the stuff that that keeps you going. Ice cold water because you do sometimes wake up in the night and uh, you think, oh, definitely want a glass of water. And I woke up early last night, and so I thought I'll watch the the television. So I fell asleep in front of the television, which I always find very pleasant to do. It's a it's a pleasing thing when you're at my age. I couldn't care less anymore. You know, people go, do you sleep on the settee? I said more than often I've fallen asleep on the settee. I've got a very very comfy. Uh, settee. And then I, I did tweet a picture of my hanging basket, which seemed to impress quite a lot of people. Uh, Vojan, the restaurant which we go to, have, uh, have retweeted me. Although I did say the other day, <laughs> I thought they, when we went in there for dinner the other week, I thought they'd changed the carpet. We all went, they've changed the carpet. And then they, they sent me one yesterday saying, yes, we did. Thank you for noticing. It's lovely and soft. Removal of shoes is now expected. I had a friend like that. He had carpet put in his house. And when you got to the front door, he said, can you take your shoes off? I thought he was joking, but no, he, he wouldn't let you in the house unless you took the uh, the shoes off. <gasps> you imagine doing that nowadays? If you coming into the global building and they go, "Can you take your shoes off?" You get what for? They go, "We just had some new carpeting put down." Be very funny, uh, Gary. Good morning, and uh, Harry. Late again, uh, so it's the Steve Allen show. And uh, Martin says, "Have you been watching the boring Big Brother lately?" I haven't. Uh, I watched a little bit yesterday. Um, I don't think anybody's watching it. I think most people have switched off, haven't they? I don't think anybody's actually... Um, I don't think anybody's that interested in, in watching... Big, there's nobody of interest in it. You know, a former hooker and uh, a gay window dresser. Not my idea of entertaining television, I'm afraid. Uh, Mark says uh, Albert Pierpoint hung one of the regulars in his pub. Yes, he did, actually. It was, it was somebody he knew. And uh, I don't think the guy knew that Pierpoint was going to um, hang him. And I think he said, don't worry, lad, it'll be fine. Which is what he said to everybody. But, of course, it wasn't going to be fine because you were going to die. But I believe it's fairly quick. Never having experienced it, I'm told it's fairly quick. But I did see the oddest thing on television yesterday. You know, normally, people who are, you know, the balance of their mind is disturbed. They do things, like they sit on bridges. And they had one in one of these police camera action things where a woman was sitting on a bridge down somewhere. And the police officer went, he said, don't, you know, you don't need to do this. We can come and talk about this. He said, now you're putting me in danger as well. And eventually the woman, she obviously had a history of mental illness. And so she was lifted, uh, lifted back to safety. And then I turn on this morning yesterday where Eamon Holmes is still whispering. So, it's a bit like that. He mumbles to himself, but he's of that age. I did advise you yesterday, if you want to get your money back for the Ant and Deck uh, show, because the celebrities... They didn't tell you the celebrities before you bought the tickets. And I don't know how well the tickets have sold, but they've now announced some of the celebrities. Vernon Kay. <coughs> Eamon Holmes. <coughs> Joey Essex. <coughs> and the ultimate NAF guest, Peter Andre. 
I mean, you really... I mean, I'd be there going to the box. I want my money back, mate. I'm sorry, I want to watch Anton Deck, not some Z-listers, please. Dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Um, 84850, Steve at LBC. Oh, Rich has, uh, says, I'm sure somebody more down with the youth can inform me what they're taking these days. And this one of these little calendars... Uh, calendars. One of these canisters, bless his heart. <laughs> Apparently, Buckingham Palace is due to open an exhibit on royal childhood treasures. It's a good idea, isn't it? Mind you, their uh, treasures somewhat different from our treasures. I was looking at, at the boats, because there are now calls to grab Putin's mate's boats. And uh, when I say boats, they're quite impressive. There's one here, uh, Andrei uh, Melnyshenko. Only for, they're all very young, all these people. They're all very young. I mean, they, they appear to have accrued billions. And so young, makes you wonder how, doesn't it, really? Anyway, uh, this uh, Andrei uh, Melnyshenko... He's 42. He's worth 6.4 billion. And he's got a yacht. It's just called Yacht A. It's worth 200 million pounds. It's 390 feet long. Uh, it features a dance floor with a glass ceiling which doubles up as a floor of one of the yacht's three swimming pools. A bomb-proof master bedroom with rotating bed and finger recognition system. They've all got these armour-clad master suites. Because I'm assuming they're all targets. And then they've got uh, one here. Roman, uh, Roman Abramovich. And he's got, um, what's he got? He's, I'm trying to work out actually which one of his is. Luna, nine cabins for 18 guests, two helipads, a covered swimming pool, sunbathing and beach club areas. And he's also got, because he's worth about 5.4 billion. It's not bad for a market trader who used to sell rubber ducks, is it? Not bad at all. His other one is called Eclipse. 18 cabins for 34 guests, armour-plated master suite, two swimming pools, two helipads, theatre... Nightclub, cinema, mini submarine, and missile defence system. It's hilarious, isn't it? It's only a former market trader. He's just got a lot of money out of the country. And uh, another one here. This is Oleg uh, Deripaska, forty-six. He's worth four point eight billion, and his yacht is seventy million. I mean, these—they they are like ocean. Well, they are ocean-going liners. That's all I can tell you about. They look—they look fantastic. One here. This is uh, Alicia Usmanov. He's 60. He's actually fairly ancient by, by terms of oligarchs. And this has got rooms for 20 guests, a pool, hot tub and two helipads. They're obsessed with helipads. Obsessed with... I mean, to be honest with you, we went on a ho holiday some years ago, me and my parents, and we didn't have a helipad at all on our boat. Never anything like that at all. I don't, I don't even think there was sort of room for if the thing sank, how were we going to get to shore? I think somebody just said, well, there's a life belt there and you just swim for it. But everybody's got helipads. Even this one here, which is Eugene uh, Schwiedler. It's an odd name, isn't it, for Russia? But anyway, he's worth uh, 1.5 billion. Oh, peasant. 1.5 billion. Pfft. Need to bring yourself into the modern day, pal. And so they've all got these boats, and they're worth a lot of money. It's, it's very interesting. But I, mean, but I don't... See, things like that... I, I could never be jealous of anybody who's got a big boat like that. Why would you want to be jealous of somebody? I remember somebody writing to me years ago said, you're quite clearly jealous of people with money. How can I be? I've got loads. Seriously, I mean, I've got... I mean, in my pocket at the moment, I must have 60 pence, 70 pence. I mean, I'm loaded. I tell you, I've got, look, bottle of water, I've got a phone, I've got a computer screen, I've got half a cup of cold coffee now, not really that exciting, and I've got a big mug of water, and I can look out the side of the... I mean, honestly, how could, like, who wants money? What would I do with a yacht that size? What would I do? Come on, where would I do? Sail it up the Thames to Twickenham? No. People would think I was being flash. One thing I'm not is flash. <laughs> not much. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, 84850. 
Uh, Frank, I couldn't answer that question for you at all. That would just be what's commonly known as tasteless in the business. Very tasteless. And um, one here, uh, which is... Oh, dear. Poor old Adam's got toothache this morning. Oh, is that the worst pain ever? Is that not the worst? Although my driver this morning, he had... um, he had the bad back pain. I mean, he's got everything. He's really got the set. So every time we go over a bump, he'd go, oh. Although we went over the Hammersmith flyover, I thought we were on a funfair ride. Because halfway over the Hammersmith flyover, there's a, there's a, a hump there. And we took off. I thought, we're never going to land. I seriously thought I should have strapped a parachute onto my back just to make it more entertaining. So he's suffering at the moment. But he, he, he said, what time are you on now? I said, I'll start at four. He said, I shall listen this morning. Well, there you go. Makes the morning go a little bit quicker, doesn't it? Because by the end of the programme, you're very educated about what's gone on in the world, about what everybody's saying about everything, and uh, and that's why everybody tunes into LBC, because it's the best way to start your day. Not only do you get all the radio presenters listening, but little people as well. Loads more to come on your early breakfast show. Final one of the week at the Commonwealth Games. The new Defence Secretary personally overruled an outrageous attempt to make the red arrows trail the colours of the Scottish flag. Britain's economy has powered back to life, international experts said yesterday. Vladimir Putin's daughter has fled her Dutch flat as fury is growing over flight MH17. In fact, that's on the front page of uh, one of the papers today. And Fifi Geldof has uh, leapt to the defence of her sister Peaches, saying let her rest in peace, because what she's had is she's been, uh, she's been trolled. Right? But there again, John Barrowman's been internet trolled as well. But uh, he doesn't care. Water off a duck's back to him. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. That and more is next. E. Morning, everybody. Welcome along. It's Friday morning. You know why it's a good Friday morning? It's because if you're paid monthly, the chances are you've been paid today. And you'll get very excited about being paid. In the papers, uh, John Barrowman trolled after his gay kiss on the Commonwealth Games. Somebody said, get over it. There are gay people. Uh, Shock horror. The sham weddings are rising again. Lots of fake fraudulent weddings. Joe Brand has branded Britain's Got Talent as exploiting the mentally ill. The Queen sneaked into a selfie and the Pope has blessed Miriam Ibrahim, the woman who was sentenced to death. She's now had the seal of approval from the Pope, Popal Pope himself. No, the Popal Pope? Well, him anyway. You know, he who should be obeyed. All of that and more on LBC, plus your text. And tra- I don't know where I was going with that story, to be honest with you. I lost, I lost control of it. I got so excited about seeing the picture on the television of the Pope with this woman. I thought, no, yeah, it's only like six months ago, less than six months ago, she's incarcerated in a prison. And now here she is with the Pope, as opposed to being sort of dangling at the end of a rope. I mean, that is the miracle of all miracles, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we'll have a, a clip uh, for you at half past this morning. of uh, Two of the guests that we have this weekend on the In Conversation programme, which runs on Sunday morning between 5 and 6 and then is repeated Sunday night between 9 and 10. Um, 84850. Derek says, that laughing gas only gives you a 10-second high. My nephew says all the nightclubs are selling it now. And uh, he says, do you still have your record collection? Uh, No. Oh, I got rid of my record collection ages and ages ago. Most of it uh, went to Hospital Radio Hillingdon. And I think a lot of the UBN library went to Hospital Radio Hilling. It turned up all over the place, actually. The UBN library was very good. Do people have records anymore? Do they really? I don't know. Um, Richard in Huddersfield says, nice to hear your comments on the sales tactics of those pesky shopping channels. Well, I mean, it's, all it is, it's market trading put onto the television. That's all it is. But, of course, it all went pear-shaped, didn't it, for bid TV and bid up or whatever it was. Uh, mainly because people just weren't interested in buying rubbish. And eventually it all collapses because people suddenly get wise to it and they go, I don't think so anymore. I don't think so. So they don't bother. 
and uh, then they have to come up with something else. Uh, apparently in America, the canisters you're talking about are called whippets. It was big when I was a teenager in the 80s. Really? It's only just hit over here and over here. They've gone, they've gone bananas for it, I'm afraid. Uh, Peter Andre is selling his, uh, his TV set house in East Grinstead. Good Lord. For £2 million. Wow. That's exciting, isn't it? Anybody want to look? No, I've seen his house on the table. It didn't look that exciting at all. There was nothing about Peter Andre's house. Mind you, isn't that funny? He's selling his house and Katie Price is selling her house as well. I think that's quite funny that they're both selling at the same time. I wonder why. Perhaps he's downsizing. Perhaps he's suddenly realised he doesn't need a, a big house like this because he's not earning the money that he should be. I mean, if he's having to do Anton Deck's Saturday night takeaway, that's a bit bad, isn't it? But uh, they say after taking his home off the market late last year, pop star turned presenter. Oh, God, have you seen him presenting? I don't want to be rude about Peter Andre's presenting, but uh, I don't think you're going to be seeing him much on the television in the, in the near future. And um, so he, he was sort of selling. I don't think last year was a good time to buy houses. Uh, he bought it uh, for £2 million four years ago. And it comes with a family room, a terrace, a summer house, and is listed with Robert Leach Price on application. So he bought it for £2 million. Well, it's, it's on, you know, for roughly, I suppose, the same sort of money. It's on the uh, Dormans Park private estate in West Sussex, which was the main location for the ITV2 reality series, My Life. You know what a boring programme that was. So you can buy the house as well now. And I'm assuming it's, he, he's looking for a bigger house or, a, I don't know, a smaller one. Perhaps he can... He can uh, be with his uh, little fiancée, Ems. Ems, that's the one who looks very, very young, and he just looks very, very old. He bought it for two million. What's it worth now? I don't know, it might be worth three. Who knows? Mind you, it depends how much money he owes on it. That's what you have to check, isn't it? On, people now go, oh, I've got a six million pound house. You go, yeah, but how much do you owe? And they go, seven. <laughs> Never such a good thing, is it? Never such a good thing. Um, Albert Pierpoint hung a friend. He used to sing a duet with. They called each other nicknames. It was Tish and Tosh, wasn't it? And uh, the governor told Pierpoint he was worried he wouldn't recognise him. So when Albert entered the cell, he said, hello, Tish. And he got the reply, hello, Tosh. And he did that in his autobiography. He almost ran to the gallows, apparently. Thank you, Chris and Anne in Cyprus this morning. I trust you are well over there. Uh, 84850. Steve, what do you think about the Romanians who've transformed Park Lane into their little Romania? Um, I don't... uh, I haven't noticed them, really. I drive around London on a regular basis. I think they've sort of kind of moved... I don't think they're as, uh, as as obvious as they were before. I don't think so, anyway. Uh, Darren McAndrew is 23 today. Yes, really. I recruited him to the Republic of Ireland, says Paul in Manchester, branch of the 4AM Spikers last year. And so best wishes to him. And uh, you always mention him uh, playing Justin in Grange Hill. This is Robert Craig Morgan. But uh, he, uh, he's been told to rest up after his 39th celebrations. He was very good as the young Caligula in I, Claudius, and like a certain well-known LBC presenter, was born in Bromley. Wishing everybody a great weekend. Looking forward to hopefully seeing the usual suspects at the Magic Circle at the date to be announced. And um, and uh, he says here, and Steve, a bit disappointed in you, fancy you not mentioning you've got a publisher. <laughs> Hello? Did I mention that? Got a publisher? I can't believe it myself, to be honest with you. I mean, sometimes I laugh at, at the sheer outrageousness of the whole thing. I'll, I'll have to... I, I can't tell you what it is just yet. It isn't, it isn't what you think it is, by the way, just in case you're, you're thinking that some publisher has sort of come to me and gone, oh, we'd like to do your autobiography. It's nothing like that. It's nothing like that. It's very exciting, though, but, I mean, I have to laugh myself. Sometimes I, I sit back and I look at myself and I just think, it just doesn't get any funnier, does it, really? <laughs> 
can't believe... You know, you sort of get to a certain age, 40, 39, and, uh, and all of a sudden things start, start changing. And it's very funny. 84850steve-at-lbc.co.uk. Vinyl is sold online, says Mike, and independent sellers. Some youngsters buy it for the sound quality and the artwork. Yes. CJ says, I had a friend, not on asked me to take my shoes off when it went round, but my trousers too, and of course my hat. Yes. And uh, Kevin the Milkman says, would I make it as an oligarch? I'm worth about three and sixpence with a paper boat. <laughs> no. No, you wouldn't. Uh, the gas you're on about is in coffee shops. It makes the cream whipped up. Is it... I'll I tell you what it is. Is it... Years ago, I used to have a soda stream. And in our soda stream, with a little gas canister... I've just remembered this. I should have remembered it before. And so what you did is you, you poured water into the into the soda stream, then you put put the lid on, and then you screwed into the handle a little canister. It went, and it put fizz in the water. So when you poured the soda stream out, or you poured the thing out, you had, you had fizzy water. It made like a tonic water thing. And presumably it's like that. Same sort of stuff. Interesting. So thank you for that. And also the, uh, the that, that gas is used. It's, obviously it's the same thing, isn't it? It does the, the whipped cream. So thank you for reminding us of, uh, of that one. Um... Another one here. Perhaps the people who hired Peaches Geldof for the parenting magazine are the same people who voted Kerry Katona and Sharon Osbourne Mothers of the Year a few years ago, says Tony. I don't know, actually. I don't know. I just know that she was, she was writing, and that's why they said, they said, oh, she's turned her life around. She's, you know, she's a new put. Of course, little do we realise she's sitting there with a needle shoved in her arm. Terrible, really. Uh, White D has been given £100,000 up front to write a book. No, never, no, you wouldn't ever, ever, ever in a million years, ever, ever, ever get £100,000 up front to write any book. Ever. Never anything at all. I promise you. So whenever you read stuff like that, it's blatantly lies. You know, you don't, uh, you don't have that. Um, she'll, she's, she's disappeared off the radar now. She's not doing Celebrity Big Brother. And you never get any money like that. She'd be very lucky to get, uh, to get £1,000. Very like nobody, nobody would give you a hundred thousand because she can't write, she can't write. So that that's why. So you, you wouldn't get any money like that at all. You'd be very stupid if you believe. You'd be the sort, you probably haven't got any friends, have you? That's why you're the sort of person who writes that sort of drivel. No, there's no there's no money like that on the table for publishing. Absolutely not. I mean, even even some of the biggest authors I know, they'd never get those. They don't give advances. How can you give an advance on a book you don't know how how it's going to sell? So they don't do that. That's why they pay low advances. I speak as somebody who's in the business and knows exactly what people get paid for things. She wouldn't get... And nobody would be interested in, uh, in buying any book written by her at all because she can't write. So uh, it's, it would be a bit of a, a waste of time, I should imagine, for her. Other stories in the papers. Um, there's a woman here. She's a cook. She had to quit her job in a school kitchen after she developed a fear of crumpets. Seriously. There is a name for it as well. Jackie Wright suffers from uh, tripophobia, tripophobia, which is a terror of holes. Seriously, I mean, I've never heard of it either. Uh, sufferers think insects live inside the holes and will attack them. So she's terrified of holes in cheese, Maltesers, soap bubbles, and arrows out of the question, then, I suppose. Uh, Jackie uh, even quit her job as a cook because of holes in crumpets and pizza bases. She says, I'd have an, an-, an anxiety attack... Uh, anyway, her bizarre phobia started after seeing a TV ad for shower gel with a sponge full of holes. I mean, do you think they start making it up after a while? I mean, so she's working in a kitchen. I mean, how many schools do you know that serve crumpets? 
Sounds quite delicious at this time of the morning. I've never heard of that one before. And, um... And a husband has won compensation for his wife's death, mainly to cover the cost of the loss of housework she did for him. This is a hilarious one here. Uh, Justice Bean uh, told London's High Court that Sally and husband Ian of Gillingham in Dorset were an old-fashioned couple. She did all the housework and um, she died as a result of asbestos exposure while working as a prison administrator. 88,000 for past service dependency, 329,000 for future services dependency, and the rest was just made up of, uh, of what you would get normally. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Compensation for something like that. £647,000. Uh, other stories of the papers today. Why did I save this one? I go through it. Oh, that's right. This is a mother being investigated by the police, quite rightly so. She went shopping, left her baby in a, in a car. I mean, you just can't make it up, really. Worried passers-by rang 999. She was in an Asda car park. Paramedics and police arrived as the store put out public announcements. The smartly-dressed mum in her 30s casually returned and said she'd nipped in to get baby milk in uh, Burheath in Surrey. She had several bags of shopping. She's quite literally a compulsive liar as well. We had a woman yesterday. Drove into our car park with a, one of these sort of people carriers. And I was chatting away to a friend of mine, Ian... And uh, we're still trying to avoid the sunshine. And she's got all these kids in the car, and she parks. And so Ian says, "You can't park there; it's private parking." And, and she went, uh, "I'll have to do the accent. Uh, I just got to pick up something in the shop." And so he said, "Well, they're, they're very vigilant round here. Believe you me." No, they're not touch my car. And then the arrogant old baggage wandered off to do her shopping, but not as good as the train story, which I'll tell you about in a moment. Quarter past five. <laughs> Steve Allen with you this morning until 6.30. Andrew Pearce, final time this morning in for Nick Ferrari. He's back on Monday. He's had a very busy week this week. Uh, this morning, you will end up paying the highest rate of tax by 2033. Do you want to pay more in tax? I think the simple answer, do you want to pay more in tax? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Plus the latest on developments around the world and more on the devastating plane crash in Algeria. And as two prisoners in Scotland demand their right to vote in the upcoming independence referendum, Andrew will be asking whether prisoners should ever have the right to vote. And, of course, Team England's victorious day at the Commonwealth Games. Adam Bolton, political editor of Sky News, we're looking through the papers this morning for, uh, for Andrew. Two clips coming up in uh, just over ten minutes' time this morning of our guests for this weekend on In Conversation. So here's people power in the paper today. People power. 200 strangers from across Britain moved in to stop bailiffs evicting a bloke from his house. OK. Uh, this is, uh, he's a cancer battler. That, 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 doesn't, that doesn't make any difference. I mean, it's the fact that the bailiffs were moving in and 200 people turned up. He actually um, sort of faced losing his home of 26 years in a mortgage row. He says, please come and help me. Uh, it's only a small bungalow, but it's my home. And after a one and a half hour standoff, the bailiffs left. Tom, who's Tom Crawford, who's 63, says it was amazing. A real community. It was emotional talking to people who came to support us. He's a retired floor fitter and uh, his wife... And him took out a £41,000 mortgage in 1988. It ended last year. But a judge backed Bradford and Bingley, which said he owed £43,000, as they had no trace of an endowment he said he took to repay it. Tom, thought to be in remission, vowed, I paid it off, I won't pay a penny more. So there you go. So he's been paying it off. Um, what he was paying, I don't know. I mean, because you do get these things, don't you, occasionally? You know, if your endowment's going to fall short... 
uh, if the policy it's linked to is going to fall short. They go, oh, of course, you know, you could have to pay an extra £10,000. Otherwise not. You know, gone are the days now, I think, of people thinking you're going to pay your mortgage off in your lifetime. Most people just seem to assume it's going to run, you know, until they drop dead and then somebody else will, will worry about it. Kevin says, I still have all my records. Seven-inch and albums too, and a record player to play them on. I'm a sad man when it comes to collecting records, even though most of my taste in 1970s punk rock is available on CD now. Oh, that's sweet, isn't it? Apparently, you can, you can get it all over the place, vinyl. It's, it's very popular. People, people actually go and collect it in, in sort of car boot sales and stuff like that. It's good, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> 84850, Steve at LBC. Kevin says, I hope it's a summer show at the Magic Circle. I can wear my shorts. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. That's all I could tell you. He says, of course, Arthur Steve would know about advance payments for books. Rumour has it he's got a publisher. Ooh, there you go. And John says, the dinner lady who's got a phobia of holes. This is the one she's, she's had to quit her job as a dinner lady because of holes in pizza bases. And I'm assuming they sort of make the pizza base and they get a fork and they go, like that. Well, why can't they just keep her away from that bit? And also they serve crumpets. I've never heard of a school that serves crumpets. Have you ever heard of a school that serves crumpets? I haven't. 84850, steve at And uh, Pablo is, uh, is one of our 4am spikers, which is good. Uh, another one here. Let's try and get in as many as we, uh, as we can this morning. Uh, another one. He says, uh, I've seen the YouTube of, uh, of the rich Arabs who use the street around Harrods as their personal racetrack. Uh, what they do is they park up at the back of Harrods. They, they, they come over here in the summer because back home in Dubai, it is so hot. It is so, so they come over here. They have their car shipped over here. And generally at the back of Harrods, you will find them with parking tickets on. But they don't care. They're not worried about things like that. And they're generally very flash cars. And they're very, very young people driving them. But that's OK. You see them driving around Piccadilly Circus. Um, they're, they're generally a bit unattractive. I mean, I don't want to be rude about these people, but generally, you know, people in very flash cars, and they are some very flash cars, are generally the ugly ones. You know, they don't have, you know, I'd have thought, you know, you could have spent money on, you know, cosmetic surgery or something like that. Sorry? It's, it's compensating. There you go. It's compensating, says Beth. She knows about these things. She knows, she knows about the little, the, the drug things. You know, like that, you know, like that. <laughs> Why aren't they stopped by the police, says John in Sydney. Um, well, I think the police, after a while, just turn a blind eye to it. I mean, I, th- I think they, they turn a blind eye to it because otherwise it would just... They, they, they don't really care. It doesn't really make too much of a difference. Uh, and it's also done in the early hours. They don't do it in daytime. Sometimes they do it in daytime, but you can't really get it back. Because you know, you know that the 20-mile-an-hour speed limit is going to go throughout the whole of London. So in the city at the moment, they're going to put it into the whole of London. Uh, Steve, that hippie gas has been around for years. Laughing gas, well-known nursing and medical students. In the carry-on doctor film, Barbara Windsor and the cars were using it. Changes your voice. Wasn't that... Um, didn't they use it? Didn't Kenneth Williams start using it when they were going to do some surgery, I think, on... Somebody, I can't remember what it was, but again, it was, it was apparently quite funny, but, but that's on a film, isn't it? You don't really want to see it used anywhere else. And uh, Dennis says, I heard you mention you had back problems and you took diclofenic, so I thought I'd mention, for what it's worth, what I take for arthritis pain. A couple of years ago, when uh, the psychiatric arthritis was diagnosed, they put me on diclofenic and cocodamol, but the dif- diclofenic didn't agree with me. Yes, I mean, it doesn't agree with a lot of people. And uh, myself included, I think, apparently. So I was then changed onto tramadol as well, he said. And I get uh, anti-inflammatories, and that, that did the trick. 
He says, without medication, I'm grounded. So in the morning, I take one 200 milligram Maxitram, two 30 milligram of Cocodamol, one 60 milligram of Ocopol. Oh, blimey, you must rattle you. It must be worse than me. He says, plus, uh, plus tablets for the arthritis, about 11 tablets in, in total. He said, I thought I'd let you know in case you had to change your medication at any time. Well, occasionally, I think they, they go through your medication, the, the doctor does, and sometimes they'll take you off things or they'll change it to something else. And that's, um, and that's happened to me a couple of times. doesn't really matter, actually. Uh, Kelvin says, is your book going to be a history of London or a collaboration with Katie Price on the sanctity of marriage? Yes, I, I thought actually we'd offer the, the, the Katie Price Guide to Marriage book. It's it, not so much a book, more, more just a pamphlet. Um, well, in fact, not even a pamphlet, just writing on a grain of sand. You know, first of all, find a man, and then you just leave it blank, because they never last, do they, poor so She's not in the papers today. I feel quite, I feel quite cheated and quite disappointed. Here's a teenage boy who had a six-hour operation, and they removed 232 teeth. Now, you may say to yourself, don't be silly, nobody's got 232 teeth. He did, because he had a tumour inside his mouth, which meant hundreds of teeth growing in his lower jaw. So they used a hammer and chisel to... I mean, it sounds horrendous, doesn't it, to extract the surplus teeth. And they think the number's done. He says, once we actually got the uh, the, the tumour out, he said, little pearl-like teeth started coming out one by one. We counted 232. I mean, isn't that awful? It's dreadful. So he, he has a normal set of 28 teeth, but has been warned the problem may return. His dad, Suresh, says, I was worried it may turn out to be cancer. No, no, it's, uh, he's had an, an odontoma, where a single gum forms lots of teeth. It's like having sort of, it's like, I remember picking up, a, not picking up, I, I sort of, I found a wood lice, because they're all over the place. But this one, when I turned it over, it had lots of little babies on it. I mean, like, loads like, the, each one the size of less than a pinhead. Really, really tiny. Really tiny. And I hate wood lice. Oh, I can't bear wood lice. Can't bear slugs or anything like that. I'm really funny about things like that. Um, apparently, uh, as part of her recent publicity campaign, Katie Price has announced she's changing her name to Brown D. I suppose, yeah. She could do, actually. Somebody said to me yesterday, here's, here's a theory. Here's a theory. Somebody said, you don't think the thing with her little husband, Kieran, is made up. You don't think he didn't really have an affair with her best friend. They're just laughing because they've all made money out of it. You don't, you don't really... And I said, don't be silly. Of course he had an affair. He's like that. He's a sex addict. We know that because she told us he was, even though he's not. But she had an expert who said he's a sex addict. What, because he had two flings while he was married to you? That's not a sex addict, dear. That's something completely different. But, of course, she's not, not bright enough to know that. But then a friend of mine, a quite serious person... I can't tell you who it is because you'll laugh... But uh, they said, do you think it's been made up? I said, no. Good. I mean, that would be quite elaborate. But if you remember, when there was stuff with her and Peter Andre some time ago, people were then talking about the fact it might have all been a hoax, them splitting up, and they might have got back together again. Well, apparently they hate each other. They hate each other. But it, it would be funny, wouldn't it, if, if the whole thing was just made up? That wouldn't be, really. Uh, I wonder if Ems will be annoyed at Peter Andre downsizing. She might not think he's as big a celebrity as she thought and may start regretting giving up her studies. No, she's still studying. Oh, yes, she's still studying. Uh, but, of course, Petey's out on tour shortly, isn't he? He'll be going out pretending he's a pop singer. And people are going, yeah, Peter Andre, love him. But, unfortunately, he does turn up at the Anton Deck 
Saturday night takeaway. I mean, it really is the naffest line-up of celebrities. You'd think, actually, they could find somebody better than... But then you have to look at them. I suppose they're not working. Except Eamon Holmes, who's on the television far too much, I'm afraid. I mean, you think he could cut back and sort of stay at home a little bit more. Perhaps we could just have the wife out. She's, she, she, she's far better at doing it. Just got to get her off cigarettes at the moment. Apparently, she's, she's still a smoker. I don't know. It's not easy to give up, is it? It's not easy. It's not easy to not get diabetes. Apparently, shift workers are at greater risk of developing diabetes. I'll tell you more about that to the side of the uh, news when we've also got a, a clip as well. A couple of clips of our in-conversation guests for this coming Sunday. Time check now is 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. I do have a little piece to read out uh, from one of the papers today. Jan Moyer. Talking about uh, Cheryl fernandez Vecini. Yeah, she's, she's done a funny little bit, actually, on that. And uh, basically poking fun at the poor girl. But uh, we will... Co- because, uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, Cheryl's launched a little perfume. Which is called uh, a storm petal or something. I can't remember what it is. But apparently, because when she was a girl, she used to make her own perfume. Apparently so. I know, I laughed as well. Uh, because, you know, when she was a little girl, I shouldn't imagine she ever did. But apparently, because she grew up in Newcastle. And uh, she used to take rose petals and put water on the top of them. And that, apparently, she thought made perfume. Dumb and dumber. OK, how many rose petals does it take to get literally just an ounce? It's something like 50,000. I mean, what, what do you think she made? She made nothing. She had a bit of water on top of some rose petals. That was not perfume, dear. It's about 50,000. I think something like 50,000 rose petals squeezed to make an ounce of perfume. Oh, I mean, she's so dumb. Anyway, Jan Moyer talks about that uh, in her column today, which is quite funny. Richard Littlejohn getting very angry about Sharon Shoesmith, the former head of the Harringay Social Services, when baby Peter was killed, has received £680,000 after winning her claim for unfair dismissal. He says uh, she claims she's now unemployable. Good, he says. If she had any sense of decency, she'd devote the rest of her life to working unpaid for children's charities. In the meantime, she's got £680,000 of taxpayers' money to console her. Let's hope she chokes on it, writes Richard Littlejohn. Not one to mince his words on that one. Um, there's also the tycoon in the paper today, which we'll come around to a bit later on. This was after the chicken factory health storm. I don't know if you saw the clips on the television yesterday. We certainly mentioned it on the programme, where, I mean, this is just disgusting. I mean, the standards of hygiene are so low now. I was, I was seriously considering yesterday not eating chicken again, because, and yet it's cheap. Everybody eats it. In this, in this one particular place that he's got, 100,000 chickens a day go there to lose their lives and get mashed up and used for all sorts of things. And it comes out as like a sick paste. That's what it looks like, and then they sort of turn it into all sorts of strange things. Anyway, lighter things, lighter things. This coming Sunday, when I'm with you every Sunday between 6 and 8, as we go through the Sunday papers, and boy, do we have a field day, because you never know, even come Saturday, you never know what's going to run in the Sunday papers. It's always something different every week, so I'm, I'm always looking forward to a few more celebrity faces in there. But prior to that between five and six. It's in conversation. It's where I get an opportunity to have a chat, a grill, a little poke sideways at a couple of famous people. And uh, the two that we have for you this week are both very different. Uh, One is the man for whom Duncan Bark says he just loves him because he watches him all the time as Lovejoy. They're still showing it on the television. Wherever you go in the world, they're showing Lovejoy. And that's Ian McShane. He came in to talk ahead of the release of his next big film, which is Hercules. So I spoke to him about the preview uh, that I saw for the press release. And also we got the chance to talk not only about the direction of the film, but also how he felt the film turned out as a finished piece. We saw a 25-minute clip the other day when we did the, the sort of PR junket for yeah. it. And it's really, 
It's rather, it look rather, it look rather terrific. It does look terrific. Yeah. It plays good. How, good. how much of it is, is green screen, blue screen now? Very, not a lot of it. I mean, I think he put on the 3D afterward, but we did most of it, um, au naturel, they say. Right. I mean, <laughs> with a big, with a huge green screen in the background for the extras. But a lot of it, I mean, but we had another, on those big movies, you always have another crew shooting yeah. extra stuff the whole time, you know, while you're doing your main... Yeah, they have B camera going, and we had six cameras on every shoot. I mean, it was like but it plays so big. I was I was watching clips yeah. of it this morning, and it it plays huge. The yeah. sound is amazing. Yeah, it's one of those. You know, we, they hope it'll be a blockbuster. Certainly, I love talking to him. Actually, I love talking to Ian McShane mainly because I sat there and he looks identical. To love, he doesn't look any different to he did all those years ago. And I don't know how I can't remember how old he is now, but he lives over in America. And we talked about America, and so I was surprised. Whenever you read up about people coming in, you think, and he's lived in America for 36 years. In fact, he used to come backwards and forwards to do Lovejoy. And so I said, have you always lived there? He said, yeah, for years and years now. And he does his work. So if they, if they contract him to go to Budapest, he just flies out of America into Budapest. The day after my interview uh, with him was recorded, which was the other week, he was flying out to go to the premiere in Los Angeles. So it's, it's, it's all over the place for him, but he's, he's working really hard. He's got some other stuff out in America. The other lady I spoke to... Uh, somewhat trepidation, a little bit of trepidation here, because when I walked in, she was in the middle of having a discussion with her PR about tweeting and all this kind of thing. She's quite tough. She's a, she's a lot tougher than you think she is. I think I, I think I won her over, though. She's the Scottish entrepreneur Michelle Moan. You know the lady behind the Ultimo bra? She's a former model. So here's a little clip of her talking to me about her childhood and how it made her the success that she is today. Well, yeah, as you said, I left school at 15, um, but I had a dream and I'm very determined. And I think if you've got fire in your belly and a can-do attitude, Mm. you can achieve almost anything that you want to achieve within reason. You know, I I don't suppose I would ever be a brain surgeon or anything, but um, (laughs) I wanted to be be a mega successful business person. And that was my aim. And, you know, I wanted to be the female Richard Branson. And, you know, growing up in the East End of Glasgow, an incredible place, but it was a a working class background. And I suppose the the odds were stacked against me because I left school at 15 and I wasn't from money and I wasn't, you know, that academic at school um, that everyone thought that I was a failure before I even started. Certainly proven them wrong and you'll discover more. Now, the, the reason that Michelle's in is she's talking about a new scheme to help people set up their own business. She set up her own business and apparently the top business that people want to set up nowadays and this is across the country is a cafe and they've got a competition running I think to offer something like £10,000 to help somebody set up a business and she can help as well she can offer advice on what you have to do it's no good just you know finding premises and opening up putting some chairs and tables and getting a barista in to make some coffee it's a little bit more than that you have to work at it if you're going to have your own business you've got to put the hours in you know her, her, her marriage suffered as a result, she didn't know, but her husband was having an affair with one of her best friends. Sound familiar? Yeah. Anyway, she's, she's very strong. It's very, very interesting. It's a very revealing interview. So if you're thinking of setting up your own business, the advice that she offers on Sunday morning and Sunday evening for In Conversation is absolutely invaluable. Only take it, you know, as somebody who's been there and done it and worth a lot of money. Ian McShane as well, because we talk about Lovejoy. We talk about this new film, Hercules, which is, I mean, it's just huge. It's just huge. It's, it's based on the, the labours of Hercules, but it's a little bit more than that. It's funny. It's serious. 
it's vast. I mean, it looks like there's a cast of millions in this thing. And it's got John Hurt in, and I think Rufus Sewell is in it as well. So Sunday morning between 5 and 6 for In Conversation, repeated Sunday night between 9 and 10. Now, cast your mind back to when you were, when, when you were young. How much pocket money did you get? I'm embarrassed to tell you what mine was, because it was, it was pre, pre-decimal. And I used to get it. I mean, when you actually transfer it back, it seems ridiculous, but we seem to do quite well with it. Uh, when I was a little boy, I got two and six a week, which was twelve and a half pence. And for twelve and a half pence, you could buy your blackjacks, your fruit salads. You could get a bottle of Corona for about eight p, eight d. This is old, old money. Eight d, eight pence, not pence as in the current pence, but these are old, old money when there was a lot of them to the pound. Uh, nowadays, what do kids get? Apparently a fiver is quite average. The average kid nowadays gets about £6.35, and it's been cut. They reckon they're down about 2.4%. That's an awful lot of money, isn't it? £6.35 a week. So, in other words, if you've got sort of like a lot of children, £6.35 a week is a lot of money you've got to find. And they expect it. What do they, what do they spend it on? Uh, most of the time, it's sweets. And things like that. Or they can save up for, for CDs or DVDs. Uh, or put some money on their phone, which is fairly popular nowadays, isn't it? But anything like clothes, mum and dad tend to buy for them. But £6.35, I don't think I ever earned anything like that. If I wanted to earn extra money, I'd have to clean the car or clean our bicycles. I don't know why cleaning our bicycles gave you extra money. Or do washing up or something like that. But they always... They was, my parents would always say, You've got to, we're not just going to hand money over to you, because my dad used to have to work for his money. He was a working-class guy. And uh, they wanted to make sure that it, it instilled in you. Roughly the same as we've seen people nowadays. That, that actor the other day in Hollywood left uh, all his money. Nothing to the children. Nothing to the children. Paul McCartney has said the same. You know, he wants the children to work. He wants them to make sure that they will get out there and earn a living. It just encourages people. It's no good sitting back there hoping, you know, that the money's going to arrive on your doorstep. Because uh, it doesn't work like that. Paul McCartney's had to work very hard throughout his life and he wants to make sure that his, uh, his kids do the same. And Stella McCartney's an absolutely shining example. Really fantastic. Um, 84850, Mary says, uh, don't check my crocs like I normally do. Put my food in and made a snail homeless. I went into hysterics. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> I actually put my foot in a slipper years ago. I don't wear slippers now. It's a bit girly. And uh, I do have a pair of slippers at home. OK, I just want to tell you that. But I, I prefer not, not to wear them in case people see them. And I put my foot in once and there was a bee in there. And obviously the bee was more frightened than I was, so it stung me. And ever since then, I've had a bit of a phobia about bees. Because I know that when bees sting you, when they fly away, they leave half their abdomen suspended from your hand or whatever. And so, But they're very good round my way. I said the other week that when I was watering the plants, we get a lot of bees round there because they make Twickenham honey. And why not? You can get it anywhere. And... Um, and they, they seem quite gentle, the bees. So I'll be watering the, the plants, and the bees will be sort of hopping between the... Pl- perhaps they quite like... Perhaps they think it's a shower. Perhaps they think it's some swimming pool or something like that. Perhaps they go, oh, you should go here. You get, a, you get a lovely swim and all the... But, of course, they don't want to be doing that when they're collecting the pollen. Otherwise, it washes them all away. But they're, they're up there every day. I'm always amazed by it. I absolutely love it. Uh, 84850. Uh, Lynn says, no serving up toad in the hole, then, for the phobic dinner lady. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Have you ever heard that you can have a phobia about whole? I didn't realise that. I really didn't. Margaret says, bats. I've just been watching the pipistrelle bats flying 
about before going into their regular roost above my bedroom balcony door in the roof apex. Very misty dawn, rather spooky, but I love it. Yes, they're all protected now, Pipistrels. There was a feature in one of the papers the other day where they've got, I think, some church and they're trying to protect the things in there because there are bats and bat droppings are all over the place but they can't do anything about the bats you can't touch pipistrels they're tiny little things but they are protected i'm always fascinated by seeing bats i think it's quite a nice thing to see not great if you've got them but a lot better than squirrels squirrels are the, are the thing you don't want in your loft because they make a lot of noise and they eat pipes and they you know everything electric and all sorts of things uh, have you been says jason my sovereign man on his way to docklands to bletchley park he says, I live in Milton Keynes, so it'd be nice to meet you. Beginning to sound like stalking. And, uh, no, we've not been to Bletchley Park yet. It's definitely on the, on the agenda, which I haven't, haven't quite made it. I've been recommending for the past few days, days out in London, for parents who've got kids on holiday for ages. Oh, wow, that's what I was going to tell you yesterday. So I'm on the train, and I'm sitting in first class, because you can on the local routes, so you don't have to pay extra. You sit in there. For... First of all, I sit on the train. It, it, it arrives in, and I get on it, because it's always in the same place, on the tracks. And, and, I, and I get it, and I sit in there, and then the guard says something. And whatever it is, it spooks me, because I'm reading my book. I'm reading this fascinating book about this seriously rich woman in America who died leaving about £300 million, which is worth about £1.6 today. Anyway, it's, it's such a good book. And, and all of a sudden he comes and he says, we're just uncoupling. And I think, Unco- what do you mean uncoupling? Uncoupling, what, the train? It's pulled in. Perhaps it's not meant to have as many carriages. So I start, I think, perhaps I'm on the wrong train. Perhaps this one's going to be shunted off into a siding and I'm not going to go anywhere. So I stand up, I can't open the doors. All the doors are, are locked. I can't get out. So I walk down the track, slight, slight panic here, thinking I might end up in a siding at Clapham Junction. Not the best place for me to be. And I thought, well, at least there's a toilet on the train, so that'll be quite useful. There wasn't a buffet car, so I couldn't do that. So I walk down the train, and the guard sees me go, just, bang there. You know, they say, bang there. People, people can't talk properly. When they're looking at you through, through a door or through, through glass, they never speak properly. They say, bang there. I go, OK. So I'm standing there, I'm trying to pretend I'm not bothered, but all the time I'm thinking, what's going on here? They're uncoupled. And then all of a sudden, the train lurches, and they've uncoupled it from one of the carriages further back, which was OK. And then the doors opened. And um, I said, is, is this train going? You know, trying to be all, you know, as if I knew what was going on. He said, uh, yeah, where are you going to? I said, Hounslow. I wasn't, but it's the Hounslow train. And so he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I get on... Oh, I'll, have to, I'll have to save this story. I have to tell you the rest of it in a minute, because it's, it's quite interesting, because I should imagine there are loads of people doing what this woman did yesterday on the train, but I'd just never seen it before. So I was, I was intrigued. Quarter to six. <laughs> Morning, everybody. 11 minutes to uh, 6 at a time. Still to come, the student who's quit being a student because he's a Harry Styles lookalike. Unfortunately, he's only had six jobs in a year. He's somewhat deluded. But do you remember the story I told you yesterday about the mother who ran off and ditched her, uh, her husband and all her children, of which she has 12, uh, because she went off to be with somebody else? And now you read further into it. Peter Saunders, who's now this single... He hasn't worked in 10 years. He was a painter and decorator. He's, he's a convicted drug dealer as well, together with his oldest son, Matthew. And you can't quite believe it, actually. He obviously runs in the family, doesn't it? And uh, he gets £2,000 in benefits each month. That's why he doesn't work. Why should he bother working? He's obviously capable of working, but he's now tagged. And uh, he pleaded guilty to dealing cannabis early this month. So, you know, we're, we're actually funding this buffoon. And, uh, and he's drug dealing at the same time. He's a former painter and decorator. Perhaps he'll lose some of the weight. I did say, actually, he went right off my scale when it turned out he's covered in tattoos. And obviously, he and the uh, wife just had endless children. 
So uh, you're paying for it, by the way. And uh, they said uh, that they... Imagine father and son actually dealing in drugs. They must be real lowlifes. They've spared him children, uh, spared him jail, because they've said if he went to jail, his kids would have to go into care. So... I don't actually see a problem with this at all. I see this as somebody who knows exactly what the consequences would be if you if you were found guilty of drug dealing. You're going to go to prison. The fact that, you know, they've spared him jail only goes to prove the man's a bigger idiot than we thought he was in the first place. So here is this poor guy, Aaron Dale. He thinks he looks like Harry Styles. He doesn't. I don't know why people do. I'm always fascinated by, by lookalikes in the paper. Just putting a woolen hat on your head and growing your hair a bit long doesn't make you look like Harry Styles. There's, there's lots of... He doesn't seem to have anything impossible at all. He was, he, was, um, he was at university and people kept telling him, oh, you look like Harry Styles. I could put a woolen hat on and I'd probably look like Harry Styles. But unfortunately, Harry Styles, who tries to portray himself as, you know, a bit of a mean, keen fighting machine because he's rock star and all the rest of it, he's just in a little boy band. It's a little boy band. They dance around on stage to the best song ever. You know, it's not exactly butch stuff, is it? But uh, anyway, this, this poor guy, Aaron Dale... He's, he's, he's 25. He actually gets booked to do children's parties for £100 a time. What, what on earth they would want to a children's party? I've got no idea. Do kids, go, do kids believe it? I don't know. They buy into Father Christmas. They probably buy this. Um, apparently, he says, I can't really even get a girlfriend because they get too jealous of all the attention I get. he have been booked six times. He's not exactly made a fortune, has he? He says, I'm thinking of moving south. Oh, don't. Please, please, please don't. <laughs> please stay in red car where you are. He says, when I'm in London, I can't walk around without being mobbed. There's got to be money in looking like I do, so I need to make the most of it while Harry's so big. You're now frightening me, aren't we? Gemma Walker, who's a One Direction fan, says he's completely deluded. <laughs> They're very unforgiving, the One Direction fans. It's not Harry Styles, so therefore we're not interested, OK? And he lives in Redcar, uh, which is lovely, in North Yorkshire. Apparently everybody knows he isn't the real Harry. Yeah. He says, but when everybody fancies you, the novelty wears off after a while. Dear, very deluded. I mean, I've, I've, I've watched these, these programmes on the television where they have so-called lookalikes. I don't quite understand what the purpose of a lookalike is. Is it because you can't afford the real thing? Because you could probably get Harry Styles, you know, for... I don't know, I don't know what they would charge for going... I don't know. I would have no idea on that. I'd have to find out from somebody who knows better. Jonathan Shallot would probably know better. Well, put it this way, if, if you can get somebody from TOWIE for about five grand to open a disco or turn up for an appearance, then you could probably get Harry Styles for about 20 grand, couldn't you, if you wanted him, really? Would you pay 20 grand? No. You reckon it's... Ch- Beth thinks it's 200,000. She knows. She knew what the canisters were and everything. She knew... So she probably, kn- she probably knows him. She probably knows him, really. 200,000... 200,000 pounds? Well, let's face it. Was it George Michael who went over to some, uh, some person's house in Dubai or something and they paid him a million pounds for an evening? A million pounds. So you're right, Harry Styles. I mean, what would you expect him to do for that? I don't know, really. Just sort of turn up and go, hi. Because I don't think the One Direction boys actually say anything anything more than that. You have to laugh at it, don't you, really? But uh, this, this poor deluded bloke here. But as I say, if you are listening in Redcar in North Yorkshire, uh, Aaron, pl- please don't come down to London. I can't bear competition. When I go out on the street, I get mobbed. You know, I don't want any competition from you coming. People say, oh, look, there's Steve Allen. And there's, oh, is that Harry Styles? No, it's Aaron from Redcar. Nobody's get, you can't, you know, walk around London and try and pretend to be somebody else, can you? I don't know. Come down to London, try and pretend to be me. Returning to the subject of Cheryl Cole, Jan Moyer says here, I'm afraid we, we have to do this. It's just irresistible. A car crash in the fast lane of life that's impossible to tear your eyes away from. She's in crazy, stupid love, people. This week, Cheryl 
and that French bloke she married held a wedding party in London. Newspapers and magazines were pelted with the details. We got the guff on her designer, who made the dress, the number of roses that JBF ordered for the party. 10,000, apparently. I mean, is that even possible? Says Janmo. Exactly. I mean, the really 10,000, where'd you get those from, love? Where'd they come from? Did you sort of stock a warehouse full of them? We were privy to the instructions he sent to the jewellers who made her ring. He told them your work must epitomise my unconditional, unfailing love. Mm. What could sum up those deep emotions? How about a chain of interlocked pound signs? She made moon eyes at her new husband and they carried on as if no one had ever been in love before them. Meanwhile, Cheryl clopped around in her designer dress that appeared to have no bottom, just a neck curtain, while insiders claim that no money has been spared on any detail of the celebrations. Not so much a Mills and Boone, more of a... A Bills and Moon. Rolled on next week. Yes, poor little Cheryl. She's got her own perfume out now. It's so exciting. I must get a perfume out. I don't want to feel I'm missing out. I don't want to be beaten to it by Julia Hartley Brewer. I have a feeling that she could be probably treading on grapes and passing that off as something very interesting. A perfume. But then, of course, as Cheryl said, way eh? I used to make perfume when I was a little girl. She used to put rose petals in a little bottle with water, and that's what she thought perfume was. You'd be better off squeezing a bit of toilet duck in, wouldn't you? And it probably smells roughly the same. I love the way they go, you know, I, I love creating perfumes. Like, she, like she's created a perfume. You have to laugh don't you? At the, at the sheer audacity and the guff. But there again, she's from Newcastle. Why, I, again, I love professional northerners. I'm very happy with professional northern people. Just that I'm a wee bit bored with the not particularly talented uh, Cheryl. She's just, uh, just a slight irritant and a little thorn in my side. Oh, the train story. Yes, I knew it was something. So anyway, so I'm on the train. I forgot about the train story. I sort of moved away from it momentarily. So I'm on the train and... A few people get on, and then a woman gets on, long, long black hair, lots of eye makeup, and a child. And I think she's probably Romanian, something like that. She could be Romanian, Polish. No, she wasn't Polish, because I know, I know Polish, and uh, definitely wasn't Polish. So let's say, you know, Latvian, something like that. Anyway, quite, quite smartly dressed. So she sits down, and she's got this sort of child with her, and uh, we're all happily trundling on the journey. Very rare to get the guard who then turns into the ticket inspector. Tickets, tickets. Of course, this is after 9.30, so I've got my free card. And I'm sort of on the train. And so he does me, and he gets to her, and she shows a ticket, and he says, uh, how old's the child? And she says, five. And he says, uh, this isn't TFL. He says, you need a ticket for a child of five on the train. He said, I'll come back in a minute, because they were pulling into Putney. The moment he went out the carriage, she was off that train like there's no tomorrow. She's quite clearly one of these ticket fraudsters, because she gets off, off the train, and what does she do? She stands on the platform, waiting for our train to move out, so she can get on the next one. What I wanted to do was get off the train, quickly put on my inspector's badge, follow her onto the next train and go, have you got a ticket for this child? Because quite clearly, she does it every day. Quite clearly, she does this journey every day and she has no intention of paying for her child because she's a ticket, a ticket fraudster. They do it all the time. Brian at Twickenham Station will tell you about the amount of people who sort of produce a ticket. They had a woman a short while ago, I told you, who was complete. She thought that she could use her free thing from uh, Boris, you know, the over 61, as if anybody ever gets that around here. But anyway, the over 61 uh, before 9.30 and he said, you can't. It doesn't even open the barriers. It, It will just go beep, beep, beep. You can't use it. And uh, so she said, well, I can use it. I know I can use it. And he says, no, you can't use it till 9.30. Use it on the buses and the, tr- and the underground, but you can't use it on the overground trains. Well, she was kicking off something. You know, this is a woman over 60. I ask you, what are these people like? And so she's, I'm going to report you to the station master. He said, I'll go and get him for you. So he gets the station master. The station master says, no, you can't use it until after 9.30. It's 9.30 and afterwards. Well, you're wrong, she says. Obviously, Miss Know-All. 
It turns out she was wrong, of course, and she didn't get through the barriers. But then she said, I'm going to report you as well, she said to the station master. The things that they have to put up with on stations nowadays, the arrogance, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Steve, bees always know the gardener. They like you and they will follow you down the street. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Walking the dogs, says Kim. And uh, brilliant show, as always. You're very naughty. I've looked at the picture of your hanging basket. Yes, it's, it's, it's quite impressive, actually. I mean, even I'm, even I'm quite impressed. It's sort of, I was thinking that maybe, maybe the, uh, the heat would start killing off baskets. But at the moment, I am watering. I, I got it wrong yesterday. By the time I got home, I did think, uh, do I watch Gemporia or do I water the baskets? And I ended up watching Gemporia. I've become quite an addict to it. But there again, I was like that with bid television until that disappeared. And now I just get a thing saying, bid television has closed down. And I feel a bit disappointed by the whole thing. I feel cheated. I want to know, you know, where am I going to get my solar lights from now? You know, there's nowhere. Or sort of, you know, cats that light up. They do these solar cats and everything. The most peculiar thing. And most of the channels now selling Christmas stuff. Christmas stuff is on, is on, they had a lovely bunch of roses the other day with lights inside them. It was so, so classy. Plenty more to come on your final breakfast show of the week, your final early breakfast show. Lisa Aziz is here in 30 minutes' time. Council registrars should be given the power to call off suspected bogus weddings. The numbers are soaring to thousands every year. These are out-and-out crooks. They never know their partner. They've been paid money to do it. And uh, sometimes even the registrars get involved with these things. We found a vicar, didn't we, a short while ago, who uh, who was backhanding money. Two Scottish sisters and two English brothers dominated the first day's proceedings at the Commonwealth Games in an eagerly anticipated golden start for the host nation. And more than two million of the poorest people in England are facing rising council tax demands this year because of fresh cuts to the benefit system. This is LBC. I'm Steve Allen. All of that and more is next. Morning, everybody. So the Commonwealth Games all going terribly well. Television very excited about the coverage. Uh, unfortunately, the internet trolls not very happy with John Barrowman and the kiss on the opening ceremony. But there again, as somebody said, well, get over yourself. This is the year 2014. I'll tell you what was absolutely terrible, absolutely awful. Susan Boyle. I mean, really, I had to watch it back on YouTube. She forgets the words of Mullum Kintyre, you know, just into the song, about uh, less than 30 seconds into it. And the rest of it, very, very very average. Thank goodness the rest of the thing was looking uh, fairly promising. We'll do the front pages of the papers for you, and we'll take all your texts and emails. It's LBC, I'm Steve Allen, with you till 6.30 this Friday morning. And apparently, don't don't tell the kids, veg is healthy. You know, they, they, they did a programme on the television a while ago, and I remember sitting there watching it, because apparently kids have an aversion to vegetables. They don't want to eat, they won't eat broccoli, they don't like carrots, so they tried to make them more appealing. And they tried to change them uh, by putting different colours in and making it look quite exciting. Because I mean, that's not our concern. I think carrot's fairly boring anyway. And so they were doing sort of pureed carrot and then turning it to something else or doing carrot crisps. So uh, what they do now is they actually uh, talk about the health benefits of vegetables. But the trouble is when you're a kid... You're not really interested in the health benefits. Somebody says, this is healthy for you. I mean, it's quite good because my friend Paul has got a greengrocer and you do get parents coming in and buying a banana for their child, eating the banana rather than eating sweets and, uh, and eating lollies and stuff like that or cake. So they eat a piece of fruit and that's good for them. But in this particular research, uh, messages have the opposite effect. If you tell children a food is good for them, they're less likely to eat it. So... What they did, scientists read a story to children aged between three and five about a girl who ate a snack of crackers or carrots. The first group was told the snack made her strong 
or helped her learn to count, while the second was not told of any benefits. The children were then offered the snack. Those who were not given messages about the particular food ate more of it, found the researchers from Illinois. And that's because the information gives the idea that if something is healthy, it must taste bad, and so it's better to simply serve the food without comment. Because we all had things as children that we didn't eat. I didn't like mushrooms. I really didn't like mushroom. I like mushroom. Ugh. Swede, I didn't like. And I'm still not wild about it, but if it comes in a winter mixture and it's all cut up into squares, I can just about cope with it. Leeks. Wouldn't have touched leeks with a barge pole. Broccoli. How dull is that? Asparagus. No. Anything like those. Now I eat it quite happily. Eat it quite happily. And you would be delighted to know, incidentally, we finished off the meatballs yesterday. I don't want to eat meatballs ever again. I'll just, although I'd, it's a fib, actually, because I, I did quite like them. I have a sneaking feeling I might go on to doing, uh, doing something. I think we might have to go back to the Chicken Kiev today, because I quite like the Chicken Kiev. Um, Shakespeare today. Uh, what were they... T- now, why did I keep this one here? Oh, that's right. It was a Heather Mills story. And we've not featured Heather Mills for ages on the programme, so I thought today would have to be the day. Um, she's such an ardent, ardent campaigner against dairy products. She wants to urge people to drink milk from rats and dogs to help save the planet. She was never quite there in the brain department. Anyway, now the former topless model faces embarrassment after her vegan company sold puddings containing cow's milk. V-Bites Foods has withdrawn their What No Dairy raspberry and black cherry desserts because they tested positive for the milk protein casein. These products contain milk, making it a possible health risk for anyone who has an allergy or intolerance. They're based in Brighton, which of course is where uh, Heather Mills used to have a little restaurant thing, but that went uh, that went skywards i'm afraid some some time ago they say the line was withdrawn as a precaution and allergy groups have been informed and it blames a suspected contamination on a third party manufacturing site we apologize to all of our customers can you imagine former topless models selling you know so-called dairy-free puds and they're not not good is it because once people have gone off something they tend to stay off it at the moment, every strawberry mad, aren't you? You've gone strawberry... You know why strawberries are so cheap at the moment? And what's not out there are greens. It's very difficult to get greens. Or, failing that, the other thing which is in very short supply is cress. Because the weather... Yeah, all right. Some people like... You know, not the little tiny mustard and cress you grew at school, but, you know, proper big bags of cress. Because What? You don't, you don't eat cress? No. Well, you must. She wants a balloon now. She liked her balloon. So, um... It's, you don't eat cress. Do you not eat cress? Oh, yeah. You didn't realise it was edible? Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, so, but, but apparently it's been such bad weather. <coughs> the, with the heat, it dries the cress out, so it's all gone all limp. So there's not much cress around at the moment. But we, we tried some strawberries the other day from the Netherlands. Not strawberries, some tomatoes from the Netherlands. And they work out about five pounds for a little tiny punnet, but they were very, very, very sweet. Very, very nice indeed, because tomatoes are plentiful at the moment. And I think kids should eat... My mother used to eat tomatoes with salt on them, uh, whereas I'm not over keen on salt. I don't actually keep salt in at all. But salad cream, ooh, yes. So little little cherry tomatoes in this weather for kids, you know, absolutely the ideal thing if you're making a packed lunch to get them out of the house today. On the subject of uh, pocket money, Jackie says, I got 2p and bought a quarter of lemon sherbets and a lolly. A quarter of lemon sherbets? Do you remember lemon sherbets? They did orange sherbets as well, which were just exactly the same. It had sherbet in the middle, but it was shaped like a little orange. But the lemon sherbets, and then you bit it and you got all the sherbet in your mouth. Do you remember the lemon sherbets? 
Am I facing the right way, yeah? What's going on? <laughs> Lemon sherbets and a lolly. And how simply and how easily pleased we were, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I certainly was. Uh, Julietta says, I had to go and water the garden. I've still got all my vinyl. I couldn't bear to part with it. I've also got a record player and from time to time use it. Can I wear sandals to work today or will it rain? Do you want to know? You want to know what the, uh, what the weather is for today? Wait a minute. Let's see if we... Actually, the... Every day they keep forgetting my weather. Wait a minute, let's see if I can find it. Here it is. Lindsay put it in at four o'clock, so I haven't read it since four. Here you go. Ready, Julietta? Just for you. Very warm and sunny, although heavy showers later. So maybe not sandals. You don't want to go jumping through puddles, do you? Any early low cloud will clear to leave a very warm day with good sunny spells. Heavy thunderous showers developing in the afternoon, although some areas will remain dry. You can bet your bottom dollar it won't be any of the areas we're in. Tonight, heavy, thundery showers dying out by late evening to leave a dry and warm night, though rather cloudy. I love it when it rains over the weekend. I love it. It keeps people off the streets. I really, seriously love it. It keeps all these kids with these blasted canisters uh, canisters at the moment. Uh, Overnight low, 18 degrees. Today it's going to hit about 26, 27. So it's going to be a bit like yesterday already. My indicator is the building over the road, which I, I look out at. I'm convinced they all sit in there waving at me and I can't see anybody at all. We used to have a naked man. Every morning, a naked man would walk from one room to the other. I was never sure if he thought that he was so high up nobody was ever going to see him. Because it became like a tourist attraction in here. People had rushed to the studio to have a quick look at the naked man going from room to room, bless his heart. I didn't tell him. Uh, Saturday, cloudy for much of the day. Very warm, bright spells and hazy sun. One or two rain showers possible later. The high, 27 degrees, so it's going to be... Scorching. Sunday and Monday, noticeably cooler. Mix of bright or sunny spells and heavy showers, possibly thundery. I get a bit frightened. But loads of you get frightened by thunder, I've noticed, over the past, uh, past few weeks. So, a little, um, little bit of rain for you today. Uh, maybe some thundery showers, but you'll, you'll get over it. You get over it. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, another one here. This is because we read everything out on the programme. We don't like to miss anything out at all. Oh, sorry. Somebody else talking about my publisher. Don't want to mention that at all. And uh, and you've never heard of whippets, apparently. This is from uh, from Kent. He said it's the fad of getting high. This is the big feature in the paper today. Using nitrous chargers meant for whipped cream dispensers, which was used in America in the 1980s. You know when they do the cream in Starbucks and all the other places? They've got a little gas canister in there to uh, to to froth it up. So when it comes out, it's, I'm presuming it's like squirty cream in a can. You know, where it's cream with a lot of air in it, which has come out of one of these canisters. And the reason... I, mean, I remember once doing a trifle with squirty cream. Because I thought it'd be easier than putting double cream on. And so I, I was really good. I put sort of some, some sponge fingers in the bottom. Then I put some jelly on and some fruit. And that was quite nice. And then some custard over the top of that after the jelly had set. And then I thought I'd finish off with squirty cream. So I got a can of squirty cream all backwards and forwards all over the thing, trying to do as, you know, a lattice work thing. Put it in the fridge, thinking that'll be ready after after we've had tea. I go back to it an hour later. Of course, squirty cream evaporates. So there was no squirty cream left on the top, just a little dribble of cream, because it just evaporates. So I decided after that I would, I would never do it. Um, apparently... Uh, many people thought the hit song of Devos from that time, Whip It, was referring to this fad, although the band has remained coy about it. I don't think I shall repeat the lyrics just in case this morning somebody gets the wrong end of the idea. <laughs> um, apparently, I didn't think the uh, Phoebic woman would think much of Blackburn in Lancashire, says Richard in Wapping. Yeah, probably not, actually. Uh, part of the 4am spike is, uh, is Sonia, bless her heart, she's in Gran Canaria. 
She says, I know you don't like the place. No, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I, wasn't, uh, I wasn't on a downer about Gran Canaria. It's just we went there once for two days. It was very lovely. Went there for three days. It was equally lovely. Went back there and we were in a horrible hotel. And it was all, it was all very nice, but it had feral cats outside and it rained. Rained. But uh, it's, uh, weather's lovely. So, uh, says Sonia. But, of course, it always is out there. It's lovely. It's duty-free as well, which is very nice. Uh, it doesn't feel as stifling as back at home. I think if you're sitting somewhere, there's a nice sea breeze coming in. That's good. But you still need to put on sun protection. I see parents who don't put sun protection on their, uh, on their kids walking down the street. And you really need to do it. <laughs> uh, sorry, somebody else guessing what the, uh, what the, uh, the book is going to be about. I've got one from uh, Neil, who says, M Day has arrived. That's moving day moving day he says thanks to everybody for the lovely birthday wishes very kind for so many people to take the time to wish me a good one so neil and lorraine are signing off from enfield today is their moving day in this heat in this heat well i hope it's all done hope it's all sorted out hope it all looks absolutely wonderful and it's going to be very nice and uh, very good okay uh, quick time check it's quarter past six and with Andrew Pearce today, forecasters predicting that one in three people in the UK will end up paying the highest rate of tax by 2033. Will you be happy to pay more in tax? Oh, I thought that was a resounding no in anybody's books. Plus the latest on the developments around the world and more on the devastating plane crash in Algeria. And uh, more on Team England's victorious first day at the Commonwealth Games. Looking at the papers with uh, him this morning is Adam Bolton, political editor of Sky News. So that'll all be with Andrew Pierce sitting in Fort Nick Ferrari from seven o'clock this morning. And don't forget, Lisa Aziz is here in about eight minutes' time. Uh, Neil says uh, he's got more hair, but the face is more Jamie Carragher than Harry Styles. It's amazing how many sort of Harry Styles sort of lookalikes there are. I didn't, didn't realise, actually, just how many there are of these, uh, these people. Some of them making a living, not the one we've mentioned, I'm afraid, in the paper. He's only had six bookings. And Martin Barber says, do you see yourself sitting next to Katie Hopkins? I don't think so. Not any time soon. Not unless you know something I don't know. No, I mean, I'm, I, do, I do read the column. Most of it is, is absolutely dreadful. But uh, it's only because she was talking about Peaches Geldof today that we mentioned her. Normally we wouldn't mention the, the column at all. Let's quickly look at the front pages. The Express today has got a, p- a picture of the Queen. There's two girls, the hockey stars, the Australian hockey stars, uh, Jada Taylor and Brooke Perris at the Glasgow Games, and the Queen's peering through a fence behind them. So they've got the most fantastic... I mean, it's the best tweet you could ever get. You're not going to get anything better than that. Britain baking in scorching temperatures. Not great for Neil moving today and Lorraine, but don't worry. They can sort of... How exciting, though, moving. I always like... I like the idea of moving, because you've, ha- you've had enough stress now to last yourself for uh, a lifetime. They say into August, the heat wave. Into August, the heat wave. Uh, there's also jellyfish everywhere. So you've got to be very careful. They're coming in from all over the place. More on that man who uh, the Bradford and Bingley claim he owes a lot of money and he says uh, he's, not, uh, he's not paying a penny. And so 200 strangers turn up to say to the bailiffs, you're not, uh, you're not coming in here. I watch a programme on the bailiffs on the television. There's two elderly gentlemen, I mean that politely. They are sort of slightly older than you would imagine. You know, not the normal sort of bailiffs who do cars, but they're doing these enforcement notes from the High Court to evict people from property. But these ones are really nice. Seriously, I mean, they're sort of doing it. You know, most people go, no, you're not coming in. And they go, well, you know, I have got this, this court thing. I'll sit outside and, uh, you know, we will be changing the locks on the house today. You've got two hours to get out. And some people do it with good grace because they know that they've, they've reached the end of the line. But they're always very helpful. In fact, if anything, they're about the most helpful people I think I've ever seen on the television. You don't normally see that, do you, for, uh, for people who are bailiffs. You think to yourself, oh, they're coming in, they're going to be very heavy-handed. 
And you just hope that they're not, really. Hope they're not going to be too heavy-handed. But these, these two are just amazing, actually. Uh, 84850, steve at Christine loves the programme. Listens in bed. Probably the best place to listen to it, I should imagine. And um, it says, During the heat wave, please remember to dress for the body you have, not the body you want. Nobody wants to see your back fat. No, and also, nobody wants to see people in short shorts. Okay, I've seen a lot of people in sort of cut-down jeans and things like that. Very inappropriate. Very inappropriate. Forget Sherman Lemon, says John. Give me flying saucers any day. Do you know, I just bought a big jar of, sh- of flying saucers the other day. I was going to bring them in today. And I thought, ah, blow that for soldiers. Did you ever have them? Because they're nice. They're like sort of rice paper with sherbet in the middle. I might bring them in for next week. What, what, what day are you working next week? What day are you working next week? Monday. I'll bring them in Tuesday. I, uh, no, no point in sharing. If you don't want to share, you know, I'll sell them to them. I'll sort of let them have them for free, for the sake. <laughs> I think my, my name's not Father Christmas. Uh, other one of your uh, texting is very, very quickly. One here from, I think, oh, wait a minute. I keep losing the mouse half the time. Um, another one here. This is uh, that, uh, wait a minute. What else do we have here? I'm trying to find out. Oh, this is... Is this uh, Dave? He says, I live uh, in Twickenham, have a Freedom Pass. They can be confusing. Southwest trains you can't use before 9.30, Monday to Friday, yet you can use a Freedom Pass on TFL seven days a week, 24-7. Yeah, somebody just pointed out something else very interesting. You cannot get through the barrier at Twickenham Station because we don't have underground there. But at Richmond Station, same barrier for the, for the mainline trains and for the underground. So your Freedom Pass will open up the barrier. The trouble is, I don't think you can get out the other end. That's, that's a slight problem. I'll need to check that with, with Brian, but I have a sneaking feeling that might be the case. You can get through the barrier, you know. Uh, red cars next to Middlesbrough in the county of Cleveland. Hope he doesn't go to London. Like you say, anyone can wear a hat and pretend to be Harry Styles, says Michael. Yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely agree with you. <laughs> we don't want any more lookalikes around here. Fernandez Versini sounds Spanish, Steve. In America, that's a bit of a downgrade. You know, I'm a, a low-class, you know, Italian-American. I can honestly say the classiest upgrade is marrying into British. But the trouble she doesn't know that. She doesn't... Don't tell her. Don't tell her. But, I mean, the trouble is nobody's predicting this, this marriage is going to last long at all. I think pe- people are actually saying it's going to be... It's going to be fairly short-lived. About a year, they're saying. Somebody says, uh, Steve should write a diet book called How to Cure Diabetes with Sausage Rolls and Prosecco. I'm living proof, actually, that you can... I don't really do that many sausage rolls. I did do one the other day. Can't hold that against me for having one sausage roll. But Prosecco, even Oz Clark says Prosecco's good for you. He reckons it's better than, than champagne. Much better than champagne. And of course, it's so much cheaper than champagne. And that's why the papers did a big feature on it the other day. Uh, front page. So, The Express, you know. It's got the Queen doing a selfie, which is lovely. Uh, Fifi, let my sister... It's the first time we've ever uh, ever heard from Fifi Geldof. Is she Fifi Trixabel? I can't remember. They've all got barking mad names, haven't they? And so she says of her sister, because people have rounded on her and said, oh, she wasn't a good mother, and... Um, and then Katie Hopkins has said, listen, she attacked me on this morning by saying I wasn't a good mother. She said, but I was certainly a lot better than she turned out to be. The Royal Bikers, Charles and Philip, as you've never seen them before, the Metro. The outrageous Israeli tanks shell the UN building, killing at least 15, injuring 200. The Mirror today, Putin girl flees from her £2 million penthouse. She was living just 20 miles from where flight MH17 took off from. The Times run with a picture of the Queen as well. It's a lovely picture of the Queen. Looks like it's an excerpt from a comedy uh, film and not even a UN school is safe, say the independents. So that roughly gives you an idea of what everybody's saying today. Uh, I'm back with you on Sunday morning in conversation with Michelle Moan and Ian McShane is between 5 and 6am. Then I'm here live 
with you, going through the Sunday papers, and uh, what a collection of Sunday papers we go through. And uh, you won't need to buy one. By the time we finish, you'll be going, I think I know every story that Steve's told us today. And then it's repeated again in the evening, between 9 and 10. Don't forget to podcast the programme. We'll have a free podcast for you up in around about 30 minutes, and then the rest of the programme up, uh, hopefully also within about 30 minutes' time. So if you go to the LBC website, you can download the app for free and get all the details. Later on LBC, Andrew Pearce for Nick Ferrari. Coming up next, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning news.